going on everybody it's your boy jordan and this is desmond and welcome to episode 33 of two black nerds that's right it's that time once again for us to bring you our opinions and hot takes on all things fandom pop culture and entertainment as always you can find two black nerds wherever you get your podcasts Mm -hmm. please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a friendly rating and comment to show your support and of course joining in on the conversation each and every week by following us on twitter and instagram at two black nerds we appreciate that love y'all but of course let's not forget to mention go ahead and head over to two black right now to order some merchandise we got t-shirts crew necks hoodies stickers mugs everything you need go ahead and place your orders right now support a black business during black history month we would yes, really yes. appreciate that um, on today's episode we got plenty to talk about as usual we will of course be talking about malcolm and marie the latest film to drop on netflix we'll be also discussing the episode the most recent episode of wandavision the craziest craziest thing we've probably seen thus far of course award season is also here so we have to run down all of the golden globe screen actors guild and critics choice award nominations as well as a host of other news and information that broke this week but before we get into all of that bro i gotta check in on you how you doing today man i know it's been uh-huh. a it's been a rough <laughs> been a rough few hours the super bowl happened yesterday and, and i know it was not the the outcome that you wanted or the rest of your you know your city wanted but how you holding up man just gotta check in um i'm okay man i'm not as uh as salty i guess as i uh, as i probably thought i would be um part of it uh just because the the the, the Chiefs were not made um, to come to their complete selves to the Super Bowl. Um, it would feel probably worse if we did come 100 and then won and lost that way. Um, another part of the, the sad feeling is losing to uh, Maka's own Tom Brady um, <laughs> during <laughs> Black History Month. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's a, also a little bit a part of it. But uh, they'll be back. Chiefs ain't going nowhere. So, um yeah, I, I I think uh I think I'm 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 already on the brighter side of things, but again, I've had better days, but not as salty as I thought I would be. So I'm good, man. I'm good. That's good to hear. I think uh, you can absolutely rest in the fact to know that the Chiefs will absolutely be back on that big stage. They are um, a fantastic team, um, really the best team that we've seen in, in a long time. And they just had a they just didn't have their day yesterday. It just happened Simple to be that. that day. They, yep. You know the 
it happened to be the Super Bowl. It just wasn't their day. But, um, yeah, I, I have no doubts that they'll also be back um, in that mm-hmm. game as well. So definitely good luck to y'all. And that, that Super Bowl was, you know, some crazy to some crazy to experience and see it all unfold. But we'll, of course, we'll, we'll be talking about a few things that, that dropped during the Super Bowl in, in terms of the, the ads and the spots and things of that nature. But before we get into all of that, we, of course, have to start off this week and talk about the different things that we saw. And we will be starting this week off discussing Malcolm and Marie. You are by far the most excruciating, difficult, stubbornly obnoxious woman I've ever met in my entire life. I fucking love you. Oh, he's so sensitive. He's romantic. But he's sweet, right? Well, I mean, yeah. When he's not being an emotional fucking terrorist. Oh. <laughs> I love the way you see the world, Marie. Mystery. The unknown. It's what supports the tension of a relationship. You're angry. No. The what if factor. Marie. 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 What if there's someone who loved them better? once you know someone is there for you and once you know they love you, you never actually think of them again. It's until you're about to lose someone that you finally pay attention. Well, what is it, Marie? What do you want? Really? Do you want to go there? Yes. Okay. I will carry you. I will carry you. You want control. Because you can't imagine the reason I'm with you is because I love you. Everything that you've been through, everything, that's what made you you. The girl that I love, the girl that I fuck with. I will carry you. All I wanted tonight was thank you, Malcolm. That is it. You know that I'm thankful. You know that I made a mistake. So why turn it into something more? Because about how you see this relationship. Look at me. I'm the last person standing. I will carry you. Hold on to me for dear life. Now, Malcolm and Marie is written and directed by Sam Levinson, and it's starring Zendaya, excuse me, and John David Washington. And it was released this past week on Netflix. Um, And the really interesting thing about this movie, um, as we've talked about on this show, this was filmed with a skeleton crew during quarantine, and it was filmed last summer. There was only a 22-person crew, and also Zendaya and John David Washington, they also co-financed the film themselves um, to to really make the movie possible. They shot it super quick in 14 days, Um, and as we already knew, as we saw the trailer, it was shot in black and white, which was clearly an intentional choice there um a lot of people when when we you know first saw the trailer um and learned about the story of what this is going to be they sort of compared it to a who's afraid of virginia wolf which is also you know a story about a a really volatile marriage and a really volatile relationship Um, but we finally got this movie we've been you know 
definitely anticipating it for quite a while. And we also held a Two Black Nerds movie night this past weekend um, to, to, to commemorate the occasion. So thank you to everybody that came out and watched with us. It was yes, a really, yes. really fun time on social was. media. Yeah, um, I was wilding. But let's go. No, for sure. People were definitely wild and <laughs> had a lot of opinions. Uh, but with all of that said, let's go ahead and dive into it, man. Let's talk about let's this it. film and unpack it because there's plenty to talk about. It is. What did you think about Malcolm and Marie, man? Ooh. Should I even go first? Maybe you should go first here. I'm gonna let you go first. You think uh, so? I might. Yeah. I might. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I might not be as nice, but I don't know. We'll see. I we'll see. Let, I, we might be on the I, same I'll page here. I, I'll go first. I'll go first. So Malcolm and Marie. Um, my high level thoughts, because we will of course unpack this film, and I think we'll talk about a few mild spoilers um, as we get into it. But my a few high level thoughts. Um, this movie was okay. Um, it's not terrible in my eyes and it's also far from great. The key things that I think really worked are the performances for the most part. I think Zendaya did a fantastic job. Sam Levinson knows how to write for her. Um, he's done really good work for her as we've seen in euphoria, as we saw in her special episode this past Christmas that we already talked Mm -hmm. about. I Mm -hmm. think he does a a pretty good job writing for her specifically as an actress. I think that they they have a really good working relationship. They clearly they clearly like to work together, um, and I think he has a good sensibility to write for her. John David Washington, I think he did okay for his performance. I don't think it was spectacular. Uh, personally, I think I think he still has work to do as an actor. Mm. Honestly, I think he still has work to do. I still think there's levels that he still needs to achieve, which is interesting because he's already he's already a leading man. You know, yeah. he he was the front of you know Spike Lee's Black Klansman. Mm-hmm. He led a two hundred million dollar Christopher Nolan epic Tenet, and here he is, you know, with a with a unique quarantine sort of art house film, you know, with Malcolm and Marie, and he yeah. he's already a leading man in Hollywood. And I mean, thank you nepotism, whether that's the case or not, but right. he's there, you know, he's doing it. But I think his acting ability can use improvement. Um, but I do think overall the performances, for the most part, showed up and delivered. Um, obviously, the look and the 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 tone and the feel of the film, I think, was really impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, very good cinematography and aesthetic choices. Oh, um, the house that they amazing. chose was, was 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 really suitable for what they were trying to accomplish. And also the music that was implemented all throughout, I thought was very fitting and you know very good, uh, very good curation of the music. Mm-hmm. Um, those are kind of the, the the good things that I can say about it. A lot of the negative things, which we we, we will talk more about, but a lot of the ne- negative things mostly rest on not only the script of this entire movie and how it was written and the way in which it's written, but also just the purpose of the whole thing, like the whole reason and idea of like why this exists. Mm -hmm. I walked away just from this movie feeling like I watched something that taught me nothing that changed me in no way Mm -hmm. that influenced me in no way. And that's not to say that every movie that you watch is supposed to do that because some movies are intentionally created to not achieve those things Mm -hmm. however when we're talking about a movie that's dealing with a romantic relationship um and they specifically marketed this as not a love story but a story about love Mm -hmm. okay but when you create a movie that's centered around that premise and the whole film is based off of monologues and diatribes between two characters i'm expecting to walk away with some new information or at least the sense that these characters were different by the end of the film than mm-hmm. how we found them at the beginning. Mm-hmm, and I don't mm-hmm. think that either 
Malcolm nor Marie are necessarily different than when we found them. Right. Which is the lack of a character arc, if you if you if you get what I'm saying. Like Yeah. We had the resolution at the end that they sort of alluded to, but I you know, I don't have faith that that's going to be a thing, you know, for right. them, for their specific characters. And mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe that's the point because relationships in real life, sometimes people don't change. So maybe that was the point of it all. Um, mm-hmm. I'll say more, but those are kind of my high level thoughts with it. Um, disappointed by the experience. Um, it did not meet my expectations and it actually kind of underwhelmed me in the sense that I was looking for more. Yeah. Um, it did not underwhelm me in the fucking argument and you know yelling and screaming category (laughs) it absolutely delivered all of that if you were Mm -hmm. looking for a fight it was there and it Mm -hmm. was good to go for you it did not underwhelm me in that sense but that was overwhelming i would Mm -hmm. say and it could be overwhelming for for a lot of people if if certain things may or may not trigger you um if you can relate to some of these topics and also just the characters themselves um they also have some specifically zendaya's character marie has a really dark history um so it's a lot there we'll say more but that that's kind of my high level thoughts what did you think about it yeah man um again i'm i'm not too far off from that uh, of what you just said what what i will say is um of course dude that cinematography was crazy i have to put that in a perspective somebody was like what this whole movie is in black and white get over it it's amazing uh <laughs> it looked great um the definitely 35 millimeter film was used uh that had to be a big part of the budget because they didn't do nothing in the entire movie so um it, it, it was great to see that uh, i will also say like you said performances are great um but there just something lacking from john david washington and i'm actually not sure it's his fault um part of me actually thinks some of it is um sam levison's fault so mm-hmm. I think I think part of the reason uh, Zendaya's performance works so well for me is because they've they've worked together so much before, and Zendaya is at this point already used to um, working with Sam Levinson in, in a different way um, than John David Washington is. Unfortunately, of course, the fi- is, it is a love film, but also this film is um, talking a lot about, of course, the 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 world of of criticism right what what even critics are what critics are there for and who's to say what about a piece of art in film right and all that was not only spoken through sam levinson's script and and direction but it was really uh somewhat of ventriloquism through john david washington's character that we see a lot and i think part of that disconnect is of course he hasn't worked with Sam Levinson as much as Zendaya had, but it's also kind of felt like he was trying to speak through us or to us through John David Washington. Like he was mm-hmm. trying to uh, tell the audience how he felt somewhat through these these black seemingly black characters in 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 the script, and I think that's kind of to me where part of that disconnect comes from John David Washington because as uh, he's monologuing right about the nameless LA reporter in the film um, important dialogue <laughs> or important important monologue which right. he goes off the hinges you're like okay what is this movie about again um, that's kind of the point of the movie where I start to get you know kind of confused um, like okay where where exactly are we going um, and so but 
yeah, up to that point, I have, I was having a great time, to be honest. Um, I was laughing a lot. There was, there was a bunch of laughs in this movie. Like, if you didn't laugh at least a couple times, you might be a psychopath. I don't know. Like, I watched this with my family, too. They're all a bunch of goofballs. We was in the rolling, uh, kind of having a good time. But after a while, you become even more exhausted of the exhaustedness. Uh, you know, does that make any sense? Like, they go back and forth so many times that by time four, you're like, okay we're this this is this the whole thing mm-hmm. kind of type thing um and so um i I will say it probably would have one been better if it was just shorter an hour forty to be stuck in a house yelling at each other is pretty wild to me um even just an hour cut out forty minutes, even just an hour might have fit the bill and it might have turned out a better film uh because you might have worked to got to get to a resolution even faster rather than spending an extra 40 minutes yelling about stuff that you, you know, already yelled at before or yeah. So, um, yeah, we can, we can, uh, (laughs) unpack some more things here. Uh, but yeah, Yeah. that was my kind of my surface level there. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's dive in. So uh, again, we'll do some mild spoilers. Um, so if you haven't seen the film yet, go watch it and come back with us and, and and finish this portion out but i think we i think we probably all learned a lesson from the movie which is super important and i think everybody should really listen to this do not do not eat craft mac and cheese at <laughs> one in the morning that is lesson number one because clearly it will fuck you up because john david washington his character was not the same after he ate that Kraft mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was already crazy before, but once he ate that, yeah. just kind of went off the hinges from there. But um, no, in all seriousness, I think I think you know one of the things that you touched on that uh, that really frustrates me is is Sam Levinson and what his whole purpose and, and mission for this film was. And, yeah, and I, I I am pretty I'm pretty perplexed by it all because. Um, uh, he he's clearly using a lot of his own frustration um mm-hmm. in implementing a lot of his own frustration with you know Hollywood politics and film critiques and film criticism right. and he's incorporating that into this film and then John David Washington he becomes the mouthpiece yeah. to voice all of that frustration exactly. and it just makes you wonder well why you know why mm-hmm. why why this why this framework you know why did you create this framework of a relationship between two black characters that's already volatile right and so mm-hmm. you know there's a lot of there's a lot of you know distrust and there's a lot of anger and resentment that exists between these two characters and then we go off on this tangent um a little bit over halfway in the film to really spend a significant amount of time where Zendaya is not speaking at all during this portion it's just John David Washington yelling and screaming about these different topics and ideas and it just becomes obsessive and like self-indulgent in a way that just doesn't make me feel good about what I'm watching because I'm just mm-hmm. like I I really thought I was here for a different experience. I knew I knew that I was going to get a really hostile situation between these two characters. Like it right. was I don't think it was any surprise if you just paid attention to the trailers. Now if all, also if you've seen Sam Levinson's work Mm-hmm. I don't think you're going to be surprised at how it turned out. But that specific piece, man, it really, I don't know. I don't want to go this far, but I'm just going to have to say it because there's no other way I can really put it. But that might have sunk the film for me. Mm-hmm. That specific monologue really, really took me out of it. And I was yeah. really 
uninterested after that because I knew just in that moment I'm like, damn, Sam, you really feel away. But right. you could have wrote this, you know, elsewhere. Did you have to create this framework of a film? Did you have to take these two talented actors and you know use them to convey this idea? I don't right. think so, right? And so right. that on top of everything else, the fact that. I mean, how many people are really trying to sit around to listen to two people argue for an hour and 40? It should have yeah. been shorter if we're going to go that route. I don't yeah. know. I don't know who has that much energy, especially that late at night. I mean, they were up until mm-hmm. dawn basically arguing. I'm just like, who has that much energy to do that? Right. I sure as hell barely had any energy by the end of it to, to continue watching. So mm-hmm. that really annoyed me. And, you know, I, I don't know, man. It's just something. It's just something that feels a little bit weird about. The fact that it's, you know, we, we talk about like black experiences on film, mm-hmm. the opportunity to showcase black joy and how much we want to see that represented across film more. But, you know, as as all people are, we're just as complex and have a wide range of emotions just like everybody else. So we can showcase all of those things. We can showcase the joyous aspects of our lives and we can also showcase the more traumatic aspects of our lives. Yeah. I think I think there's room for all of it. However, something just feels weird about white director creating a black love story. However, for 15 minutes of the film, he's using one of your black lead actors to voice mm-hmm. a personal concern and criticism that he has with the industry in which he works in. Something mm-hmm. just feels weird about that. I don't know if I could put my finger on it. Maybe somebody a yeah. little bit smarter than I am can. But again, that just really took me out of it. And overall, I think it just kind of proved to be a bit of a waste of time, which is you know interesting in the sense that at the beginning of the film, Zendaya said nothing productive is going to be said tonight. And I walked away thinking that exact thing, same thing. Like Not only was nothing productive said, but Malcolm and Maria, I don't feel any differently about you two than I did when I saw mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Malcolm's a narcissist. He's an asshole. He made a big mistake, I think. Um, yeah. And Marie is a very damaged, you know, individual um, who has been used in a sense and sort of taken advantage of by Malcolm as 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 his muse to create yeah. the story, and then didn't have the audacity to thank her. But then mm-hmm. by the end of it, again, I, I didn't I didn't feel any resolution. So I said a lot, but. Yeah, there's a lot to say about this movie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, even coming off, even recently, I've watched um, Assassination Nation before Malcolm and Marie even came out. Uh, actually, it's, this was all on accident. Uh, <laughs> I actually watched it first, and then I figured out Sam Levinson uh, wrote it or uh, directed it. And I was like, directed it, yeah. This feels way too familiar. And then when I looked at it, I was like, dang, this makes sense, right? And I think Sam Levinson. Uh, and Sa- Assassination Nation. I actually like that movie. Uh, I think I think he he attempted to do something um, in the world of or in the in the teen angst of uh, LGBTQ, you know, IA plus um, um, identity. Right. We we've talked about recently how he he's a man of hashtags. Um, Sam Levinson is like, look, the world is like this teens feel like they must express themselves both through us uh, both with sexual identity and gender identity these ways um they do this on the internet i'm going to put this in euphoria or i'm going to put this in assassination nation i think assassination nation had a little more charisma the time wasn't ridiculous it had more plot it was action in it i think it just did it in a way that um that fit for assassination nation but now here we are and again i think i think 
he did get a lot of criticism for that film. And mm-hmm. we talk about these exact the same very things whenever we bring up Euphoria. And I think though this is like Assassination Nation plus Euphoria criticism equals Michael Memory monologue. I don't I don't right. know how that came to be or why he felt this was the time. Um, but that, that's kind of what happened. Another thing I think is interesting um, that could have made this movie better is, you know, how um, Zendaya, of course, was really salty. Um, how the internet was saying how her and John David Washington had this age gap, you know. Um, mm-hmm. She's like, I'm grown. Uh, to be fair to that criticism, um, you have, you're have you playing a high schooler in Euphoria. You're playing a high schooler in Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, you're all of however many pounds. You know what I mean? She's really small. She, you're a black woman, so you look young regless of whatever happens. Uh, we've also known her since she was a child star. Exactly. You know, we've known her since she was a child star. Yep. Exact same thing. And I'm what I'm really interested of what Sam Levison could have done is use that criticism. Not even criticism. If you know you're on set, you look at Zendaya, look at John David Washington, you're like, all right, she's her mid-20s. This dude might be close to his mid-30s. Let's work with that. Why not use this young, um, broken woman uh, as, a, as a vehicle, as a story to tell for young people? young women who uh are broken who might be quote unquote taken advantage of by old like older men that's a real thing that happens use that and tell a story use that to bring a you know a a resolution to what's actually happening here i just thought that could have been interesting if they would have made um a creative choice there that they really you know didn't do they kind of bring it up you know they they they, uh zendaya says like oh in my early 20s something uh and so you know you kind of assume that she's supposed to be you know older than that but i think they definitely could have used that for something else or uh to to give us even more um of what we got but other than that, again, we 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 agree completely, man. Uh, I think um, I, again, it's weird because I did. I was okay watching it, <laughs> like the whole time. Like I never felt like I don't know, like I needed to walk out the room. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I was like, okay, this is still a cool watch. I am okay watching this. We're laughing, um, but again, the the exhaustiveness. I don't even know if that was a word. I hope that's a word. The exhaust exhaustiveness of the film um kind of gets in the way of everything Sam Levison is trying to do here so yeah the 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 reactions to this have been widespread you know and Mm -hmm. you talked about how you and I would say similar similarly for me like I was fine watching it in the moment I will say by the end of it when I finally just got a chance to just like chill and relax I was like that was a lot but everybody's gonna have a different degree of tolerance for that sort of thing you know I know I know certain people who have cut the film off, you know, halfway through, you know, mm-hmm. once they realize like, damn, this is just arguing back and right. forth. I mm-hmm. don't want to watch this. I can, who wants to watch that? And I, and I, I completely understand that. Cause it, it's, it could be, again, it could be a traumatic or a triggering experience for certain people, or you just might not want to deal with that shit. Bottom line. Yeah. Um, other folks, they were able to like withstand the whole thing and see it through to the end. So, um, you know, at, at your own leisure is 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 how you're going to experience this film. It's going to be different for everybody, um, but I think that says a lot about the experience. That I've seen people call it a fantastic movie. I've seen people give it mm-hmm. ten out of ten, and yep. I've seen people say this is like a terrible piece of shit. So, yep. I it's all over the place. 
you know, the, the, the public response is dis- divisive to say the least. Um, mm-hmm. And that's probably the best that can be said about it. But, you know, we have it. It's here. I think we'll be talking about it for a while. Um, and yeah, it's just interesting. I think the last thing that I'll say about it is that I, I for Zendaya specifically, I really want her to start working with different filmmakers. I would yeah. really be interested to just see what that looks like. And she she's starting to, I mean, you know, she's been in the, you know, Spider-Man movies, working with John Watts and Tom Holland. She's been in The Greatest Showman, um, mm-hmm. you know, so mm-hmm. she's she's done stuff like that. But I want to see more of that because mm-hmm. I also know she's going to be doing Euphoria for at least the next few years. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just like to see her away from the Sam Levinson of it all because I know yeah. she's supremely talented and can mm-hmm. show a wide variety um of, of of her personality through different roles so I'd, I'd hope to see that in the near future yeah but we said a lot about malcolm and marie we know a lot of y'all watched it so please please let us know what you thought about the film hit us up at two black nerds let's go ahead and transition we watched some other things this week man you watched the high notes yes the high let's note, talk y'all. about that I grew up around music. It's my whole world. If you told 12-year-old me that one day I'd be working for Grace Davis, she's an icon. This woman doesn't even know your last name. She does, sometimes. I'm not gonna tell you guys you're great if you're not great. Do it again. Damn, the girls still give me goosebumps. Well, Grace, have you thought any more about the Vegas residency? Actually, I think it's time I record a new album. I mean, that's one plan. What am I supposed to say to her? I'm just a personal assistant, but I'd love to produce your music. Let me do my job and you do yours, which is get her coffee, Kleenex, Kotex, and whatever else the hell we've been paying you to do for the last six months. I've been here for three years. You get paid? I thought you were an intern. My life is a joke! It's really bleak out there for middle-aged singers. In the history of music, only five women over 40 have ever had a number one hit. And only one of them was black. I've been I know everyone is happy with me doing the same show every night. What if there's something more? Grace, I didn't want to tell you or Jack, but I did a cut of your song. Hey, hey, I can hear y'all. Y'all know it's a damn microphone in there, right? All we got to do is play it safe and stack some money. I will decide what I do next. Is the food coming, sir? We've been over this. We are not a drive-thru. Well, it should be. It could be. Oh, my God. Is that Grace Davis? No. Yeah, man. Um, the high note is this is actually going to be a really quick review. Um, the high note is a movie about a young uh, girl played by um, played by Dakota Johnson uh, who works for a very big music star, Tracy Ellis Ross's character. Um, I believe her name is Grace Jones in the film. Um, she 
is her like personal assistant. She gets our clothes and stuff. But uh, Tracy Ellis Ross has been in the uh, the industry for a long time. She's probably um, quote unquote washed up at this point, um, but she still again is a very big name. Um, and what happens is uh, she's. Tracy Ellis character is very commercial at this point, right? She's not really uh, deep rooted um, in anything that she's done before. Again, she's kind of quote unquote selling out. There's producers that are trying to put techno beats to her somewhat um, R and B and pop music. It just doesn't make any sense. And um, her assistant, again, um, uh, Dakota Johnson's character. Uh, wants to be a producer and she's actually taken uh tracy ellis's character's um music and kind of uh giving her some remasters and revamps and put new drums and stuff to her music um and so uh really that's kind of what happens to be honest it's really a a a movie about how uh, dakota johnson's character is trapped doing one thing but she wants to do another thing uh, again, she wants to be a producer, but she's trapped being her assistant. And Tracy Ellis Ross denounces um, that want to want to be a producer. She's like, what are you doing? You're just my assistant kind of type thing. And so that's kind of what the movie's about. Kevin Harrison Jr. is in the movie um, as uh, Dakota Johnson's um, love interest. And um, she actually uh, attempts uh, to make Kevin Harrison Jr.'s character one of her first people that she produces. Um, so uh, I'm just going to leave it there without spoiler. Um, and it actually turns out to be a decent film. It's not amazing. Um, it has some flaws, but I will say it's a, it can be a, a fun I'm eating kind of watch, if that makes any sense. Like <laughs> it's a, uh, it's not a bad movie by any means. I enjoyed it. If you like music, I think you'll still like it. Some of the mu- songs in the movie are actually pretty fire. I was jamming a couple times. Um, mm-hmm. but it, 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 it it uh it can somewhat soothe the soul if you need a again a very small cute movie um dealing with music i think music movies have just been doing good lately um i don't know what it is again this movie isn't amazing by any means but again it's like a cute little watch um so i i would recommend a watch i would simple as that the high note nice. again it's on it's on hbo max um it was um uh, also uh, released June 25th, 2020, which is also a whole year ago. It came out on Vibe first, um, which honestly, if I bought this on Vibe, maybe I would be a little salty because uh, <laughs> it, it ain't that good to be buying on Vibe. Right. But now it's on HBO Max. I'd say it's it's worth the check out um, if you have the time. So, Dope, dope, dope to hear. Um, I saw Pieces of a Woman. I wanted to stay at home. I wanted the baby to decide when she wanted to come. My daughter came into this world. For the time that she did. And I can't bring her back. Martha, is that you? How are you? In 60 to 70% of these cases, we rarely find a satisfactory explanation. There is something between Certain things medically we just don't have answers for. To dream. 
appreciate it for your loss. How is Martha? Martha's fine. She's always fine. Have you decided to go to the trial? That's the right thing to do, honey. Because you say it is. She has to pay for her incompetence. We need some justice here. No, you need. Why are you trying to disappear my kid? Because we don't have a kid. To face I am this. facing this. I am facing it. I am facing this. Who cares about what they think? This is about me. This is about my life. This is me. Um, which is something that I've been meaning to get to for a little bit now. And mm-hmm. so pieces of a woman is on Netflix and it's, um, we're going to, it's going to come up again later cause it's been nominated for a few awards at some of these award shows. But, um, I, you know, so I, I have to walk a fine line because I don't want to spoil anything, but also the things that I wouldn't want to spoil are in the trailer, but I'm not sure how many people are listening have actually seen the trailer, I'll just say this. The, the the film is about a couple. Um, it's starring Vanessa Kirby and Shia LaBeouf, and they're a couple in the film. Um, and they're about to have a, a baby, and Vanessa Kirby is, you know, she, her character's name is Martha. She's about to deliver this baby, and she chooses to do a at-home birth for her, for her child. And um, ultimately, after they go through the whole birth and the experience, um, it's, a, it's a really traumatic experience. Um, the baby, again, this is not a spoiler. It is in the trailer, but if you don't want to know anything, dip out now, but the baby does not survive the birth. The baby dies. Um, and so the rest of the film is sort of examining the grief that, Mm. that exists within the characters. Um, Vanessa Kirby, Vanessa Kirby's character, Martha, but also her boyfriend, Sean played by Shia LaBeouf, as well as the rest of the people around him and how they're sort of experiencing that grief and how to deal with that. Um, I'll just say, you know, again, quickly that this is it's a really good movie. It's a really good movie that I think I would definitely recommend people watch. I would just warn folks that it is a it's a difficult thing to watch. It's a very um, it could be a very tough and brutal experience. In particular, the first 30 minutes are harrowing. Like it's Mm -hmm. actually like the first 30 minutes of the film are nothing but really just a birth scene within her home. Mm. Like we're seeing the whole process of her contractions, her water Mm. breaking, all of this is happening right in front of our very eyes, which ultimately ends up in in the position that it ends up in. It's a really harrowing and on the edge of your seat experience. I've never seen anything quite like it. I've never seen a birth play out that long in a film. And I think honestly that that's probably the high point of the movie, which is why I would say that it's a really good movie. But the thing about it is that for the rest of the runtime and it's over two hours long, the rest of the runtime, it doesn't quite match the highs of, you know, the opening, you know, few minutes or so. Mm hmm probably by design because again it's it's a story about grief right and it's a story mm-hmm. about how people can change based on something so traumatic happening to them and how significant this is really this really is you know to their to their lives 
Um, so it's just sort of like taking a look at how different people are dealing with the situation, but not much happens. You know, you're kind of just watching people in a sense, um, self-destruct at times, but you're also, you're also seeing a little bit of, uh, a little bit of the pieces being put back together, which, you know, that's why it's called pieces of a woman. So, um, I would recommend it. And I'll also say, this is one of the most random casts I've ever seen. Like Vanessa Kirby, <laughs> she's great. She's in the crown. I'm watching the crown right now. She's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. She gives a stellar, phenomenal performance. It, it really is her movie. Um, yeah. Shia LaBeouf as a love interest is random to me. I don't know why, but mm-hmm. it's random, but he does have to play a, you know, a broken individual. So it's probably actually not that random at all, considering you know what we know about his personal life. Mm-hmm. The, here's here's where the real randomness for me comes in. So Sarah Snook is in it for my Succession people that watch that. She plays Shiv in su- Succession. I was really happy to see her. But Benny Safdie, the director, the Safdie brothers who made Uncut Gems and Good Time, he's in it. It's I, random. I don't know why, but he's in it. Jimmy Fails, who made The Last Black Man in San Francisco, is also in it. Also random. <laughs> very very just random so i'm like what's up with these filmmakers like in this film it, it, what, what's random to me about it is that they uh i mean they're acting roles but they don't have that much to do they don't have many speaking lines like it's is very benny, is benny the one that was in good time yeah he's the one that was in it okay. yeah um but they they barely speak i don't i don't know I think Jimmy might have one line. Honestly, I think he might have one line. So I'm just like, why? Why are you in this? But maybe I don't know. Maybe they have a relationship with the director, um, mm-hmm. you know, and they might be they might be really close. And so he just like called them up, like, "Hey guys, you want to be in a movie?" That's totally possible. But what I will say, Ellen Bernstein, she's also in this film. She's incredible. She does a great job. She plays Martha's mother, um, Vanessa Kirby's character. She plays mm-hmm. her mother, and a lot of it is about their relationship too, and how a mother and daughter deal with a traumatic um, situation like this as well. But I still would recommend it. I'm just giving sort of a precautionary warning that it can be a tough watch. It can be a difficult thing to watch, especially those first 30 minutes or so. But if you can get past that, um, I think it's definitely worth it. It's also getting a little bit of attention um, at a few of these award shows, which we will talk about later. But those are my thoughts on Pieces of a Woman. Again, it's on Netflix right now. It dropped on December 30th, so it's only been on there for a little bit over a month now. Still pretty pretty new, but uh, I would recommend checking it out for sure. Um cool. So let's go ahead and transition, man. We gotta we gotta get into it like we do every single week. Yes, sir. WandaVision. Mm-hmm. WandaVision is heating up. Business has picked up. Episode five has arrived. This episode is entitled on a very special episode. Um, it's set in the 1980s. A lot of the influence that we see in the show, um, particularly, comes from Family Ties, Growing Pains, Full House, all sitcoms of the 80s, um, and. After what we discussed last week, we knew that things were not going to be the same. We saw the whole perspective of this entire situation from from the sword side of things, um, yeah. specifically Monica Rambeau's perspective. But now, now we're in a situation to where things have sort of blended. We're getting both both scenarios play out in real time. We're getting the sitcom stuff that's still happening within Westview from mm-hmm. the perspective of Wanda specifically, but we're also getting an equal amount of the perspective from S.W.O.R.D. as they have created this perimeter around Westview to you know, sort of observe and identify what's happening within this town and what Wanda is doing here with this sitcom reality. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot, obviously, to tackle with this episode. As usual, we will be going into spoilers for this episode. Um, so if you've not seen it, go watch it and come back. 
there's a few specific beats that I definitely want to hit on as we talk about this. But yeah, before we do those, what's your high level thoughts on this episode, man? Is it the best one thus far? Yes, it is. Um, simple as that. There's just a lot going on. Um, I think it's always fun to see things start to quote unquote resolve. Uh, I say that because there's still hell of questions everybody has, but we can we can clearly tell the the pace is picking up. And I think again for that simple fact, it was the best episode. Um, we got a lot to talk about, and again, just for that simple fact, it's the best episode too. So I liked it a lot. What about you? Yeah, uh, the best episode so far. My favorite episode so far. We're probably going to be saying that every week mm-hmm. at this point from now until the sure. end. Yep. Uh, but I think specifically why this one is the best so far is because of what I mentioned, the fact that we're getting a more balanced view of everything. We're getting both sides of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, the first three episodes, we were strictly in the in the sitcom reality with Wanda, um, which had a lot of interesting things, but there were only a few small nods to what was going on mm-hmm. um, on a larger scale. And then mm-hmm. episode four, as we talked about last week, we switched perspectives and got the whole rundown of what was really going down. And yeah. now we're getting we're getting both sides. So I think this is going to be the format from here on out, probably. I don't mm-hmm. think it'll ever revert just strictly back to the sitcom at all or vice versa. I think we'll always get, you know, both stories playing out simultaneously at the same time. So with all of that said, man, we got to talk about a lot of these big beats within this episode. So, again, 1980s on a very special episode. So if you don't know, in the 80s. When sitcoms evolved, as we as we know, from the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, we've talked about on this show that a lot of sitcoms of those, you know, golden age, classic era TV shows didn't deal with really heavy issues. Um, you didn't really get character backstories. You didn't mm-hmm. get these significant stories that dealt with anything that was truly happening in the real world. It was mostly just something kind of went wrong, you know. Oh, we have to prepare for dinner tonight. We got to make sure everything is like fine. Um, just really simple storytelling. It was just really mm-hmm. wholesome, simple storytelling. Um, sometimes it examined themes of like romance between two partners or family relationships, but nothing that was all that heady. However, in the 80s, things started to change. We know with shows like Family Ties or Different yeah. Strokes, like mm-hmm. stuff started to become a little bit more mature. And every season, I know you remember this, every season, They would always have a very special episode. And on this very special episode, they would examine, you know, a really critical issue that was that Mm -hmm. was more mature. It might have been drug use or alcoholism. It might have been, you know, parents are getting divorced. It Mm -hmm. might it might have been, you know, a a romantic relationship like your your teenage daughter or son. They're starting to date and they're thinking about sex and protection. uh, Something like good times when Penny was being abused. Her mom, yes, stuff like that, yeah, absolutely, like that. yeah. So, very, very, you know, um, real life topics that would be introduced into these sitcoms, but it would always be again a very special episode each year. So, we see that happening here in episode five of WandaVision. Um, one thing that's changed is that with the older sitcoms that they were paying homage to, uh, we saw that the aspect ratio would always change to fit the time. There was that, mm-hmm. that more traditional fourth, I think it's the four, three aspect ratio, which is more of a boxy format um, of aspect ratio, but it didn't happen in this episode. Everything was presented in the same 16 by nine sort of aspect ratio, which I think is starting to signal that it seems like Wanda's starting to lose control over what's mm-hmm. happening right now. Um, right. But with all of that said, this episode started to like really examine more, mature themes from the sitcom perspective Mm -hmm. um specifically 
in this episode, the twins, you know, they, they, they start off young. They, you know, they start off at age, they're babies and then they, you know, age up to five and then 10, but they eventually get a dog. Right. And then this, Mm -hmm. this dog passes away. And so the concept of like life and death has to play out. That's like the really, really sort of like heavy, heavy, like thing Mm -hmm. that they're talking about. So, um, those are like a few of the things that like started off to like frame, you know, create the framework for this episode, but really, you know, where things start to kind of take a shift, we go back to vision's job right mm. we we go back there for the first time since episode one and he's talking to norm and we see in their interaction that vision taps into norm's mind it's almost like what he did to ultron in age of ultron where he just yeah. like zapped into his mind and like emptied out a bunch of information he kind of did mm-hmm. the same thing with norm and we saw norm snap out of it he just kind of he it's almost like he he was born again and became alive again and he's like you know help me he's like begging for help yeah, he's basically telling Vision that somebody's controlling him. This is not him. What's going on? He's confused. He's frustrated. But we're starting to see Vision is uncovering the mystery, you know, of this whole thing. And he's starting to ask questions. He's starting to dig a little bit deeper. And Vision is becoming really suspicious of this whole thing. Um, on the on the flip side of things, Sword is continuing to do their research and continuing to unpack what's happening within Westview. Um, they start to ask and answer more questions as we go along, but really the big thing that happens in this episode before the, the really big thing, but the big thing that I want to talk about first is the confrontation between Wanda and sword for the first time we see them meet face to face within this show. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Monica and sword, they try to send in another drone. Um, Unbeknownst to Monica, this drone was actually an attack drone. They were going to fire missiles at Wanda. Wanda finds the drone. She destroys it. And she, she leaves the barrier that divides Westview and Sword. It's called the Hex now. Uh, Darcy has has you know called it the Hex. That's, that's what we'll call it. But Wanda confronts Sword in one of the most badass moments that I think we've seen. Um, but with 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 that sort of like framework provided, what did you think about that moment when when you saw it unfold? Um, a lot of that actually reminded me of her dad. <laughs> uh, it's it's easy to see. Um, some of the the parallels between her and Magneto, even though technically Magneto does not exist um, at this moment in time. Wink, question mark. Allegedly. Asterisk. uh, Where um, in in several X-Men, you know, movies, iterations, there's always guns pointed at Magneto. um, And Magneto always turns guns back on people. That's what he does. That's why uh, you you see Days of Future Past or I believe X3 where they have to revert to plastic guns. It happens all the time. Um, And so it it definitely reminded me of that. And um, even part of Magneto's argument is like, I'm not the problem. You are right. I'm not the I'm not the one pointing the guns. You are the people pointing the guns. And Wanda kind of brings that up here, right? In her in her frustration, um, and in in the the grief of again the way she lost um her brother in the first place was through war, you know. So, um, I just thought it was a great moment. It was pretty badass. The camera the camera cut was pretty dope too. Uh, it, yeah, man, it, it was just cool to see. Um. Uh, man, I was on pins and needles at, at that moment to see her leave. And and we know how powerful she is. And then the Sokovian Pissed. accent came back as she was speaking to them. And mm-hmm. she looked at Monica like, oh, you're still here. And I was just like, oh, shit, please do not do not kill Monica. Like, <laughs> yeah, don't, I was like, oh, y'all got is. beef. 
I said, what's going yeah, on? Yeah, like y'all really got beef. So um, it was it was a very tense moment. But I, it was I think again we we needed to see it to really see how how strong and powerful she is. Um, mm-hmm. and, and they sort of they introduced that idea that you know the fact that Wanda, as we know it now, question mark, but Wanda created this reality. We think. And she's controlling all of these people in this town, we think. They started to allude to the fact, like, damn, she's really powerful. Like, that would yeah. make her the most powerful Avenger, right? And they were like, yeah, I mean, look what she did to Thanos. And then, you know, Jimmy was like, well, you know, Captain Marvel almost kind of got Thanos. And Monica clearly did not want to talk about Captain Marvel. Oh, man. Which, that's a whatever, whatever that's for, about. Yeah, yeah, that's a story for a whole movie, I suppose. But yeah, that moment in particular, man, it really, it really identified just how serious Wanda is about this. We talked about, you know, I talked about grief with, you know, pieces of a woman, but you know, we we really see that this is what this is what WandaVision is about. This is about yeah. how Wanda is dealing with the grief mm-hmm. of the loss of not only um, you know, her brother Pietro, we'll get to mm-hmm. that, but also the love of her life and vision. Yeah. Which leads me to the the fact that we saw in this episode and it was revealed that Wanda stole this this man's body. Crazy. I don't well, not man, but Synthesoid. She stole the Synthesoid's body from a sword facility. Um we, we got that information that they were they had Vision's body in his possession in, in Sword's possession. Um it looks like that they were experimenting on him. Mm-hmm. Uh his body was in many separate pieces. Yeah. But she stole the body from the facility and the thought is that she brought him back to life. Do you think that that's what it is? Like, did she, did she actually resurrect Vision? Was he, was he already technically resurrected when they found when they started experimenting on him? Like, were they trying to turn him into a weapon? Mm. Right? Like, did she? Did no, no idea. I, did she create no a mind stone for Vision because uh, her I powers are made out of the mind stone? Like, what's could, going maybe, on here? Maybe it's a, maybe it's a placeholder. You know, in his head. I don't think it's a real stone, regardless of what's going on. I don't think it's a real stone. Um, it could be if this is an alternate dimension or something of that sort. But um, right now, I, I do think it's a placeholder. Is he really alive? That is the question. That's if she was to question. If she was to remove the barrier, would he just drop? That is the question. I mm-hmm. don't know. That is that's probably one of the biggest question marks I have right now, to be honest, um, is that very thing like he might only be alive within with inside the hex. Exactly. But what if what if uh, the hex has brought him back to life and he could walk out? You know, we have seen in the trailer um, that moment where he's knocking on the outside of the hex or in trying to get through. So it's like. Is he gonna walk through and, and fall, or he's yeah. just, you know, we 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 gotta see. That's interesting. We still gotta see that for sure. Uh, yeah, so many questions about that, right? You know what struck me and what I realized, like I didn't realize this until like the second time I watched it, the episode. Again, as I mentioned earlier, Vision is like starting to uncover a lot of what's going on, and we we'll, mm-hmm. we'll talk about the in conflicts, you know, that happened between him and Wanda, of course, but. You know, one of the things that he says in that mo- in that moment when he's arguing with Wanda is that he doesn't mm-hmm. remember anything before Westview. He doesn't yeah. have any memories, right? Mm-hmm. So, to your point, one, we know that he died. He definitely died in Infinity War. Mm-hmm. This could still be the same physical 
um, appearance of Vision. But what if he was almost, in a sense, reborn? You know, I because, thought about that too. Yeah, because Wanda has, you know, if if she if she resurrected him, like we think mm-hmm. that she may have done, this could just be a new Vision, a new reborn Vision. You know, yeah. that that doesn't have any prior memories of anything that happened before Westview, or, and he's just existing now. Yeah, Sword could wipe that. You know, experiment that, that, on them. all that information. Yeah, yeah, that mm-hmm. too. Um, but with that said, here's the here's the crazy thing. That would mean that Vision does not know that Tony Stark is dead. Mm. The very man that created that created him. him. Mm. From all of the information from Tony and Bruce and Ultron and Jarvis, yeah. Yeah. he's not aware that Tony Stark is dead. Now. Mm. It's still to be seen if Vision even knows what the concept of the Avengers is. He probably mm-hmm. doesn't because he already said, I don't remember anything before Westview. We see in the trailer that moment between him and Agnes when she's like, you're dead, you know? And, yeah. you know, so he's kind of confused about that. But I wonder if they might play that up. Like if, if his if his memory is restored at some point. Yeah. What What's that going to look like once he finds that out? I don't know, but just like a thought that I had. Yeah. Um, but again... As he's uncovering all of this information, he confronts Wanda like something's not right here. What the fuck is going on? What did you do? Why mm-hmm. have you created this this fake place? He he knows the, j- the jig is up at this point. So he confronts her. Wanda, she is not having it. She's not trying to talk about it. She tries to cut him off. She rolls the credits. Hilarious. I thought that was brilliant mm-hmm. because she's still in control at that point. But they start arguing and we start to see that... Um, you know, Wanda starting to kind of have a little bit of a breakdown. She and she says, like, I don't even I don't even know how I got here. I don't even know how any of how any of this started. And we've we've been talking about on the show that we still think that Wanda is not the only force yeah. at play here. She like that there's not. still there's still something else out there that's yep. that's that's pulling the strings here. And mm-hmm. I think that that line alluded to it. Um, do you still think it's Agnes, especially considering what we saw from Agnes yep. in this episode in particular? Mm-hmm. There were some strange things so that went down. It's, it's it's too close to the source material right now at this point um, to where even Agatha Harkness, right? Um, they, they both have this like pendant that's really close, but also Agatha Harkness was known to babysit her children which in this episode literally starts that way, right? Like, I can babysit the kids. And why doesn't she care about anything magical happening around her? You know, it's just all too, it's all too like, all right, now, this this just might be her. Um, and, you know, even even the, uh, the hints at Mephisto could be a real thing, you know? Um, I was doing some research at the nerdy guy I am. And uh, her, one, we never seen her husband, Ralph. Still have not. Um, nope. Still the crazy part, the devil's in the details thing. Uh, and that's not the only place he is, comment, that we got. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the, And then there's still, I did this other weird thing that she says we know the date of her um, her and Ralph's uh, marriage. It's like June 2nd. Oh, yeah. June 2nd, yeah. And if you look it up, so- Ag- Agatha Harkness is known to be um, one of the survivors of the Salem witch trials or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Around the time of June is like when Salem witch trials happened and started. And I'm like, hmm, some, oh some weird stuff going on here. Um, so maybe like Mephisto. I think Mephisto ain't here, y'all. I just don't know how yet <laughs> or where. Yeah. But he's he is the devil in the details, you know? And yeah. I, I don't. 
I don't know. I mean, it could be misdirection. It could be. Marvel is known to do that. Um, but it's it's just, she's just way now. She's really out of pocket. Um, especially when we get the whole. You want me to redo that again? Or you you you, you do yeah. go back through that again? Line. I'm like, Take all it from right. The top, yeah. Take it from the yeah. top. I'm like, mm. she's like, oh, what are you getting? What'd she say? Whiskey or something? She's mm-hmm. like, oh, it's not for me. It's for the kids, huh? What are you? Yeah. What are, what are you lot, talking about, Agnes? A lot of weird, bizarre stuff going on with Agnes right She's now. She's uh, wild. Um, yeah. Well, on. I mean that that's a that's a really you mentioning that she she doesn't even care about the magic that Wanda's performing in front of her anymore. Like Wanda thinks that she doesn't see it, but it's like she's right there, you know, and that's like they they wouldn't have put that in there if it wasn't intentional. But yeah, Wanda's performing magic in front of Agnes. The kids are aging up literally in front of her eyes and she's not commenting on it all. Like they start off as children and within the same day, age up to five. And then Mm -hmm. when they want a damn dog, they go up to 10. Right. right? So there's definitely stuff there. But, you know, one of the other things that I think is interesting about this episode, too, is just like you you talked about misdirection. Right. And I think I think Mm -hmm. there's a lot here that Marvel has intentionally placed within this episode to try to throw us off. Right. So I think that there's certainly at several points throughout the episode, there's moments of contradictory information. So Earlier, I mentioned the the whole aspect of the dog. So they get a dog mm-hmm. um, for the twins, Billy and Tommy, and eventually, you know, Agnes finds the dog in her yard, and he eats he eats some leaves, and it ends up it ends up killing him. And so, we're taking this moment to talk about a really heavy topic: the loss of life. You know, for a young child, mm-hmm. for a young child, that's a new concept. So, Wanda is sort of teaching him, teaching you know Tommy and Billy what that means, and you know they 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 basically ask her like can't you can't you bring him back from the dead like they know that she has powers so they they're like Mm -hmm. can't you bring him back from the dead and wanda looks at them and she's like you know no some some things some things are forever you know and some things aren't meant to be changed which would completely go against what she's done specifically Mm -hmm. with vision right and so i thought that that was really interesting because i think a lot of times us as people and maybe even sometimes folks as parents i don't know but I, i suspect that Oftentimes we know how to give we know how to give advice. We know how to say the right things. But in terms of how to actually follow and take the, take our own advice, mm-hmm. we're not the greatest at that. Right. We oftentimes contradict ourselves. We're, yeah. we're complex beings. It's normal. I think it's a human thing. But I thought that that was a, a interesting, you know, sort of situation. But also another piece of like contradictory information is whether or not there's larger forces at play. So I talked about, you know, when her and Vision were arguing and she mentioned that she doesn't know how any of this started, right? Mm-hmm. But then like a few seconds before that, when her and Vision were having the face off and they both flew in the air, mm-hmm. she's yelling at Vision like, I did this for us. This mm. is for us. Mm-hmm. She's taking ownership of this whole creation. She's taking ownership of the hex. So it's like, Okay, so did you create this? Is right. this something that that was born out of your own will, or mm-hmm. do you really not know what's going on here? So it's it's confusing, but I think that they're trying to intentionally confuse us to make us think about Nasty's questions. So yeah, that's kind of the whole premise of the show—the back and forth of it all, mm-hmm. forth of it all, right? But uh, you know, we we just have to wait and see. We have to wait and see what happens over these next few weeks, and we'll we'll continue to be asked these questions. But um, of course, we got to talk about the end the 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 final moments the final moments of this episode so again as they're you know as as her and vision are talking they're alone um in their house we're not even in the sitcom format at this point i don't know if you noticed it but like when vision walked through the kitchen door Mm -hmm. like 
the frame like crackled or popped a little bit to show yeah. that it wasn't like the sitcom anymore and he went back to his you know traditional appearance they said fuck the credits yeah they're like we're not doing this anymore um <laughs> the show the show the show was over however the doorbell rings and wanda's like oh i didn't do that i did mm-hmm. I, I whoever's ringing the doorbell i did not manifest that again alluding to the fact that she's not the only one in control here wanda goes and answers the door we also, at the same time, we see Darcy. She's tuning back into the episode to see this moment unfold with us as the audience. Wanda opens the door, and voila, it's Pietro. But it's not Aaron Taylor Johnson from Age nope. of Ultron. Nope. It's Evan fucking Peters. Evan Peters, who wow. played Quicksilver in the Fox X-Men franchise. If you don't know why this is crazy, again... Evan Peters played Quicksilver in a completely separate franchise that's up until this point been very unrelated to the MCU. Almost so much so to the fact that these were two different corporations with two different franchises. There was never any crossover potential, but we know Disney bought Fox two years ago. All bets are off at this point. Evan Peters shows up. What the hell? What do we make of this? What What does this mean? What What Man. does this mean that Evan Peters is in the show now? There. It's so many questions, right? Uh, part of me knows what's happening. The other part of me has no idea what's happening um, because they could take it so many different directions um, in this in this ideal world of what could what could start the multiverse, right? One is uh, Darcy uses specifically uses the word recast. They're like, oh, they didn't go on and recast it, Quicksilver, and I'm like, hmm, okay. One, how would Wanda still know that's Pietro if he looks mm-hmm. nothing like? Aaron, right? It was nothing right. like Aaron Taylor Johnson. What well, I, I what I, it doesn't make, make that make sense. Make that make sense. I have no clue unless somebody implanted the idea of a new Quicksilver in her mind. Right sure. here we go again. Other people have to be at play to me, um, in my mind. But also, um, again, that's the question: Is this uh, the beginning? Is this really the true beginning of Disney showing their ass and say, "Look, y'all, mutants are coming." is it we don't know because we we just simply don't have enough information yet but the possibility is so very very there um so we'll see dude i really don't know it's a hard one it's really tough uh you you brought up all the the questions um we know it's evan peters we know he's he's some version of pietro is this the fox x-men version of pietro Mm-hmm. from another universe from an alternate universe is this simply a recasting you know when she said that moment what i thought about i don't know if you remember this i think it was from deadpool one when uh when ryan reynolds like he looked at the camera and he was like a fourth wall break inside of a fourth wall break that's <laughs> like 16 walls that's what yeah. i thought i was like wait evan peters in and of itself him being in the show is a fourth wall break that's and then her break. saying wait they recast pietro i'm like damn that's another fourth wall break like what's going on here it's so much happening but um yeah we don't know if it's specifically that version from the fox universe we don't know if it's just like disney winking at the audience like Mm -hmm. you know who it is but we're not gonna talk about that franchise we're just kind of doing this like a almost like a j jonah jameson and far from home jk simmons coming back from that Mm -hmm. however we also know the bigger the bigger sort of idea play here we know what's happening in spider-man 3 we've talked about it on the show we've talked about alfred molina coming back as doc ock we've talked about jamie fox returning as electro toby mcguire andrew garfield returning as spider-man gwen Mm -hmm. stacy uh mary j like 
the multiverse is happening, right? It's yeah. no secret. It is a thing at mm-hmm. this point. But what exactly does it look like? And I think to your point that you made earlier, is this specifically a mutant thing? Is this specifically mm-hmm. opening the door to mutants? Because mm-hmm. what's to stop them from bringing in anybody else? Or exactly, do they start? Do they start clean? I don't know. I don't know if this is an isolated deal. I don't know if they wipe the slate clean and get all new mutants for everybody else. It's just it's it's too much up in the air that we just don't know right now. So, um, all I'll say, you know, really about that moment, in addition to what I've already said, it was it was amazing. It was an it was an incredible moment that, I mean, we. We've heard about Evan Peters, you know, being in the show and being on set. Um, I didn't expect him to show up in this episode. I thought it was going to be yeah. next week's episode, but nonetheless, it was it was a great moment, and it has us it has us wondering and you know curious about what's what's to come next. And we'll we'll certainly be on the edge of our seats. But WandaVision, man, is continuing to just like do some crazy stuff. Imagine that this was this was supposed to be the fourth installment into Phase Four of the MCU. Like we we were supposed to get black widow eternals and falcon and the winter Winter soldier before this show Mm -hmm. which i don't know i I mean i don't know how that experience would have been we'll never know but to think to think that this would not have been the first title within phase four is kind of weird now because this seems so important to the whole Mm -hmm. future of marvel so yeah absolutely uh yeah you're right dude yeah so we'll definitely continue to look out for WandaVision. Of course, we'll be talking about next week's episode on next week's episode of Two Black Nerds. Wait, um, wait, but if wait, you wait, saw wait. WandaVision, we have wait, to talk this, about this commercial. This is uh, important. How did I forget? How did I forget? This is yes. this is important now. This is very yeah, important. That is important. It wasn't yeah. bef- it wasn't until this episode. These commercials were not important until this episode. Um because they're all connected now. They um, are. They are absolutely. And, and I and don't probably know. Probably more ways than one. More than ways than one. Um, super weird. Of course. Um, Lagos, right? Is it is was it a city or a country? Is Lagos a city or a it's country? A, it's it's a city in Nigeria. It's the city in Nigeria in which Wanda um accidentally put a bomb in a building. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a lot of people died, thus creating um one of the reasons uh for the Sokovia Accords in Civil War. Um, it is also very important to note here, um, that the, this is all again, um, part of previous commercials before we get into this commercial, the first commercial having to do with the toaster, right? Uh, we believe at this point, these commercials have to do with the power stone or not the power stones, the, uh, the infinity stones, the first one, Tony Stark and the toaster power stone. Second one, um, the Hydra watch time stone. Here we are. Um, with the with the Legos paper towels, um, which we now believe to be the reality stone, um, and this one in particular hits deeper, um, of course, for Wanda, um, as the reality stone, of course, is supposed to be um, being able to control your reality. Um, Legos uh, was the 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 catchphrase for the commercial was for when you make a mess you didn't mean to, right, um, and you can clean it up. With the reality stone. Um, again, right. it, it was red. They use red liquid just like the reality stone is red. Um, even, I think it's important to note here, maybe uh, maybe I'm reaching here, but most things red in this universe have to do with reality, right? Even Wanda's powers that we don't 
still never probably never will quite understand 100 percent right she's supposed to be quote unquote weird <laughs> um is uh you know, you know the idea of reality she manipulates minds the whole barrier that she kind of turned to red in this episode um kind of again reflects some form of reality she's creating her own reality with her powers all of that is red um and i think it's just you know important to note that as well so yes uh i think that kind of starting to tie up the commercials a little bit too yeah, it, the commercials are actually proving to have more layers too. Because when I when I saw the this most recent one for the paper towels, I didn't even initially think of an Infinity Stone connection. What mm-hmm. automatically triggered in my head was like, oh, all of these commercials are absolutely related to previous trauma that Wanda mm-hmm. has experienced. Absolutely. Um, which you know the the first toaster you know the 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 stark toaster commercial Mm -hmm. we know that tony stark's weapons are responsible for the death of her parents right and it's it's also suspected that the people in these commercials are her parents um the second commercial the the strucker watch we know that you know strucker is the one who experimented on her and pietro and ultimately gave them their powers via the mind stone right lastly you mentioned the incident in lagos she was responsible for the deaths of a lot of people and the creation of the Sokovia Accords. So these are all very traumatic incidents that have happened in Wanda's life um, up until this point. So it'll be interesting to see what it's included in next week. Yeah. Certainly, I'm expecting something related to Vision himself because that's obviously a you know a traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. There has to be some commercial related to that. But yeah, these are these are these are multi layered and like you mentioned, they they. They didn't seem important at first, but they absolutely are. The whole constructs yeah. of this reality is important. Everything has mm-hmm. a meaning behind it. We we've exactly. seen um, and some some other random small things. This is uh, the first time that we I I realized that they were like uh, she doesn't have any funny code names. Um, the first time I realized they never used Scarlet Witch up in ever yet. Nope. We just know her as that they have not used that name yet. So, um, are are they going to give her that name soon? You know, uh, or is she ever going to get the name to come up with something new? We don't know. Um, but I thought that was really interesting. I think, I think when they I do this Halloween coming. episode, yeah, and she's putting on that costume, I think that's when somebody yep. else will name her, or she'll just come up with the name. And yeah, it's be definitely it. coming. Yeah, it's definitely coming for sure. Um, another random thing. I don't know why I thought of this. Uh, when the when the kids are washing the dog and they take it out, the dog not even wet. I don't know why. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> y'all can't be serious. Y'all could have done better than this. Why is this dog not wet no more? Random, but I was like, okay, now. Yeah, yeah. There's uh there's definitely a lot to pick up in this episode. I, I mean, I guess to circle back to the the moment that uh Jimmy mentioned Captain Marvel and Monica looked very uh upset at that and she yeah. quickly deflected and she said, "Well, we're not talking about her. We're talking about Wanda." Why do you think that is? Like, you know, is there something uh, is there something there that uh that Monica's upset about what's, with, with, what's, with Carol? What's really interesting in the first place is why is Sword even here? Um as they're known to be, of course, they're like oh, shields on the ground, swords in the sky. Like, yep. sword is supposed to be the intergalactic. Like, I know the the W in the comic is for world and sword, but here it's for weapon, and it's like, right. uh, 
they they there's something they're not telling the sword in general. This I feel like there's something they're not telling us because they are again they're supposed to be like even a higher level defense uh, than Shield is, you know, on an intergalactic level. So it, that that's interesting within itself, and I'm thinking maybe who knows maybe there's some context there even um, until some falling out Captain Marvel and Monica Rambeau did of course before before the snap or the blip. Uh, maybe they had some some weird words. Maybe um, she was even mad that she, that Captain Marvel wasn't even on the ground with the Avengers mm. for a long time. You know, mm. um, maybe like before Sam uh, Nick Nick Fury even contacts Captain Marvel, Monica tried to reach out to her and she's not. I'm not coming down there. You know, kind of right. sort of thing. So uh, it could be something simple as that. You know, so we'll, we'll see us eventually. Yeah, she, there's a p- possibility that Carol never came back and returned after she left them in Captain Marvel 1. Like, she might have gone and done her intergalactic sort of missions in space, and there's potential that she may have just never returned, and that would absolutely rub her the wrong way. And I would also say that director Hayward, sus. Something's very sus about him. Um, That man is, I don't care what anybody says, that man is a scroll. Uh, (laughs) He gotta be a scroll, bro. Because something is just off about him. He's, He's being hostile about wanda you know we saw that uh that uh, monica was defending wanda you know in the in this episode when they were like assessing the situation and, and talking about everything that happened and mm-hmm. you know monica was describing her feelings you know within the hex saying that you know she was it felt it felt hopeless and in, in these different things but she was still defending wanda like you know something else is here but director hayward i mean he's quick to he's quick to point the finger um so something sus about him he's either a scroll or an I, asshole, I, yeah, or just a or a dick like they like you know <laughs> Darcy called him. Um, mm-hmm. Some, but yeah, something's up with him. I think that that's still to to to, to be unsolved. So yeah, it's 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 crazy how much we've seen and how much we do know, but how much we still don't know um, yeah. at this point. But mm-hmm. a lot more to come. We still have four episodes left. I can't wait. We'll of course be talking about this again more on the show. So we'll we'll be back next week to talk about more about, you know, WandaVision, but if you've seen if you've seen the most recent episode on a very special episode as it's called, hit us up and let us know what you think. Um, let's go ahead and transition. We got to talk about award season mm-hmm. because it's finally here. Um, in in the craziest movie year we've seen probably in our lifetimes, um, we are still getting award shows, and so a bunch of award shows have announced their nominations over the past week. So we're we're definitely gearing up over the next couple of months to get ready for that. Um, in particular, the Golden Globes, the Screen Actor Guild, Screen Actors Guild, and the Critics Choice um, have all released their nominations for their award shows this year. So. Honestly, I don't even know where to start. We're probably going to jump around a lot because I don't, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think we need to talk about everything. But right. we obviously got to talk about a lot of highlights and even uh, some lowlights from this. Let's start off with the Golden Globes because I think they're the the worst defenders of all of everybody. They, yeah. they, they, they really they cutting up to say mm-hmm. the least. So a lot of good things here from the Golden Globes. Like we see. For example, you know, Viola Davis, Best Actress, you know, Andre Day, United States vs. Billy Holiday, Best Actress, Chadwick Boseman, Daniel Kaluuya, you know, Soul has gotten recognized. Some good stuff here. But, you know, the Golden Globes obviously focuses on film and television. Um, and I will say, because I said this last year, I'm going to say it again, I fucking hate the Golden Globes. It's a ridiculous mm-hmm. award show. They're yep. Hollywood fresh foreign presses who are they nobody knows it's just like a hundred hundred random people that 
are not even in the industry. So it's just it's just a weird makeup. I'll, so I'll preface it saying that. But to get back into the the nominations, um, like I was mentioning, they 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 acknowledge film and TV. The biggest for me, for me, the biggest snub comes from the TV side and the fact yes, that sir. I may destroy you. Yep. Got no recognition Same page. at all. Same page. Michaela Cole, nothing, no writing, no like mm-hmm. nothing here. And I may destroy you is one of the one of the for me one of the top three best shows of 2020. Like it's it's one of the best shows that I saw last year easily. Yeah. Um. It was completely unique, completely original, different than anything I've experienced before. Um. And a really visceral, raw, and emotional experience all the way through. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody just expected like, yeah, I made sure you was gonna get acknowledged. Funnily enough, you know, it did get acknowledged from the Screen Actors Guild at least. Like Michaela Cole. Um got a female actor um, sort of lead nomination from the Screen Actors Guild, but nothing from the Golden Globes. There's other snubs, but what did you think about that when you noticed that, that I made sure you was nowhere in the field? Well, I was just confused, to be honest. Um, we've talked about the show a couple times, um, how much, you know, we both enjoyed the show. I think I think part of me thinks that um, the Golden Globe. I'm not even sure they watch everything at this point. Because oh hell no! No there's way! Just no way! It just doesn't make any sense that this wouldn't get nominated. You know, I think I think they're afraid of of um, of dark themes. Maybe I don't know, man. They're they're afraid of something to not have put the show anywhere um, in any nomination. Uh, again, especially how how much uh, we, we enjoyed it, but also how also how um, how real the topics are of the show, how deep the show is um, in general, man. It's like. Were you just afraid to watch? I, I don't. I, I just don't get it. It does not compute. Um, simple as that. Yeah, the Golden Globes is known to be a star-driven show. You know, they really like to get the biggest stars in Hollywood packed in a really tall, really small um, ballroom and give them moet. You know, to to drink and get drunk in front of in front of a television studio, not a television studio audience, but a live audience. Uh, it, so I, I I get I guess the, the the youthfulness of this cast, you know, the, sort of the breakout performances from Michaela Cole mm-hmm. and everybody else a part of this show didn't satisfy that that mm-hmm. that desire from them, I guess. But I, I you know again I don't know nobody knows who they are right. Mm-hmm. So there there really can be no explanation as to why certain things do or do not make it into their nominations. Um, yeah. Delroy Lindo. Oh my! Has God. just gotten completely shut out of not only the Golden Globes but everywhere, everywhere, unless it's an ensemble acknowledgement from like the Screen Actors Guilds or the Critics Choice. He has got he's gotten no nomination for a, you know his his own performances as, mm-hmm. as the lead of that film from anybody, Killed which it. is just baffling to me because fucking Jared Leto. Has gotten nominated for the little things. We just we just talked about the little things. For some reason, Jared Leto has been nominated for best supporting actor from not only the Golden Globes but also the Screen Actors Guild. Mm-hmm. He, I, I enjoy Jared Leto. I like Jared Leto. I think he is a phenomenal actor. That's not the movie, and that's not mm-hmm. the performance. Like nope. the little things is not even a good movie if we're just nope. being honest. And his performance, although he did fine. It's nothing revelatory. It's nothing all that different than mm-hmm. him being strange and weird in other performances. Mm-hmm. I mean, he gained he gained some weight and he walked with a limp. 
Like, that's really the extent of what he did. Like, if right. we're being truthfully honest. And the fact that he took up a spot where Delroy Lindo could have been there is like, what the fuck is going on here? But it's just... Crazy. It's ridiculous. But that, you know, it. It. I guess I guess that's just to be expected, you know, that I mean, we're going to be even, angry like this. Even besides Delroy Lindo, we're not going to act like Journey and Jonathan Majors and just ain't carry an entire TV show on their backs for two months. <laughs> man yeah they they didn't get acknowledged either um judas and the black messiah and my rainies didn't even get best picture nominations they're everywhere else you know they're in the acting categories but not even yeah. best picture nominations i think uh and, and and of course uh we have to talk about this other notable snub and we ain't even seen the damn movie bro minari and, and steve bro my boy steven yeah. oh my sense. okay so it's like they did we skip last year did we skip parasite did they for, did we am I it just happened it just happened it was 365 days did, ago we, did, we were just there did the golden globes watch the golden globes whatever this society is that comes up with these golden globes did they even watch the oscars i'm not sure they even watched it because them this whole foreign film non i i i'm 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 at a loss for words on how we're. Well, still if I'm not here. mistaken, they didn't. Uh, they they didn't give. They did not give Parasite the win last year. That's what I'm. Mistaken. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah, like they would have learned from what happened. At yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, it, but you know, uh, again, it's. It, I think it's a. It's a group of people. It's about a hundred people in the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Um. They they're they're they, they are international journalists, you know. So I guess their sensibility of like. The things that are really resonating here, whether or not it's a foreign film, um, just isn't on the money. But a lot of it, I think, is intentional. I, I, but I mean, they know these it, things. It also kind of doesn't make sense because it's kind of an American film, too. Yeah, but that, but that's, but I, I, I think to go back to one of the other points is that you know, Minari. Although we we see it represented in every other award show in many different categories. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's also one of those films, like, I think about, um, I think about uh, last year with The Farewell, right? Yeah. And how, I, you know, I don't want to compare the films because I haven't seen Minari, but mm-hmm. again, like, that was, The Farewell was also another film that just did not get any sort of respect or acknowledgement from them, you know? And there were American things in that film. It was, it was mostly, you know, uh, I, I guess considered... Well, it couldn't be considered a foreign film because there was too much English language in it. But there were some American things in there. But I, you know, I think I think it speaks to the idea that they go after the star-driven things, mm-hmm. and Minari does not come off as a star-driven thing. Not mm-hmm. to the same degree of you know Regina King or Viola Davis, which you know are big, big names. Yeah. Um. Even though they couldn't give them like Best Picture nominations, it's just com- it's it's completely inconsistent. Which is why we're even struggling to talk about it because they can't even be consistent about their own categories. Mm-hmm. The, the the names and the the way that they categorize things is just ridiculous across the board. So, the show in and of itself, I mean, these nominations. The last thing I'll say specifically about the Golden Globes is that um, I think I think across the board everybody recognizes how egregious they were. Like. In particular, this year, I saw a lot of just, like, vitriol against them. Like, people were, like, angry, like, oh, y'all are really fucking up. Like, y'all are already fucks, fuck, fuck ups, but, like, this is even just more apparent mm-hmm. this year. Like, it's even worse this year. Yeah. Um, and that's probably because of the lack of things that we've even seen this year, but also just because of, like, consensus is just a thing. Like, we, we see 
what are considered to be the best films of the year for many different organizations like mm-hmm. AFI, you know, or the yeah. National Board of Review or these other award shows. However, you know, again, a, a picture like One, One Night in Miami or My Rainey's Black Bottom or Minari, like, just don't get that acknowledgement that they deserve. But, but so. Mank is there? Come on, man. But, but Mank is there. But, I, you know, I, I'll say that Mank, Mank is across the board. It's 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 there in every in every other list and every other award mm-hmm. show. I, it no, wouldn't be for there sure. for me. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. At least that one makes sense, though. But, mm-hmm. like, the Minari of it, does not make sense the 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 you know the i may destroy you of it just doesn't make sense it's just mm-hmm. it's it's ridiculous but a, a few a few good things a few good things that have yeah, happened so good with things. The, the the screen actor sc- screen actors guild nominations um so you know chadwick boseman made history um everything is obviously a, a posthumous award for him but he's the first actor ever to receive four different nominations in a single year for the Screen Actors Guild. Um, so he got a Best Actor nomination for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Best Supporting Actor for The Five Bloods, and then two nominations for Outstanding Cast for each of those films. Um, so they're really acknowledging him um, in a very respectful way. And I can at least respect the Screen Actors Guild because that's that's made up of peers, that's made up of thousands of actors in the industry who are voting on this, so it makes sense. Um also, the Five Bloods and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, um, they both got three nominations apiece. Mm-hmm. And again, as I mentioned, Michaela Cole, she is being acknowledged as the best female actor in a television movie or a limited series for those nominations. Um, and then last but certainly not least, the Critics' Choice nominations, a few highlights that came out of that. that those were just announced today, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Four Best Picture nominations for Netflix. Netflix is making history. Um, They also received a total of 46 film nominations across the board, which is the most for any, I think, any film studio in history in a single year. Um, Mm -hmm. It's actually crazy. Um, Mank is in the lead with 12. Minari has 10 nominations. So, again, we see it here, but it's, you know, it's not getting the respect it deserves from the Golden Globes. And then My Rainey's Black Bottom landed eight nominations, so it's in third place in terms of total nominations. So it's just it's just wildly inconsistent across the board. I think that's kind of what yeah. I'm walking away with. You know how um, as, as much so. as I love uh, Trial of the Chicago 7, I did not see these nominations coming as hard as they are. Um, it's crazy. I agree. It's really, it's really agree. killing it. I like the movie a lot. Don't get me wrong, but this is it, I, this is unforeseen. I wasn't ready. Yeah. I agree. Um, it's it's there more than I thought it would be, but that you know that again that reminds me of another like Yaya Abdul Mateen like over Jared Leto, please. Uh, yeah, you know, that's true. Like, come come on, mm-hmm. like if you're if you're gonna do that, or even um, I, I mean, there's so many. I think there's so many other performances that uh, Jared the Jared Leto situation just really. Yeah, I just I, I I won't get it. I just won't ever get it. But mm-hmm. um, even all uh, these award Sasha shows, Baron Cohen, Cohen. You know, oh yeah, from um, exact same yeah, movie. From Borat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, mm-hmm. oh or the Trials of Chicago Seven too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did he did a good job in that. Um, <sighs> yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot to think about and a lot to deal with. But this is uh this is gonna be interesting because this is kind of painting a picture for the Academy Awards which we know is coming eventually. That award show is going to air in April. Um, but those award nominations won't be announced until, I believe it's the end of this month, when mm-hmm. we'll, you know, either the end of this month or the beginning of March when we'll see the Academy Award nominations. So, um, you know, it's not always consistent across the board, but it's not it's not a surprise to see how some of these shows will influence what ends up making it to the front of the pack 
when it's time for those announcements to come out for that particular award show. So I will I'll be very interested to see how that looks. But yeah, a lot to a lot to think about and unpack here. But we'll see what happens. Um, all of these award shows are upcoming soon. Um, specifically, the Golden Globes are happening Sunday, February twenty eighth, and the uh, Screen Actor Guilds um, Awards are going to be happening Sunday, April fourth. So we'll definitely be on the lookout and talk about those when they do occur. Um, mm-hmm. But let's go ahead and transition, man. We got a lot of news items to talk about this week. Uh, some things that broke, some interesting and weird things as usual within the industry, film and TV. Um, so let's go ahead and start off. Um, as we mentioned, the Super Bowl happened yesterday. We got a few movie spots, but not that many. I guess movie studios are like, we still don't know if like theaters are going to be open, so we're not going to pay $5 million for an ad, which is understandable. But we did get a new spot for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which we know is coming to Disney Plus um, in March. Um, it was a brand new, uh, brand new trailer for that for that original series. It's coming. Um, that show is going to be six episodes, and obviously the leads will be Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan, reprising their roles as Falcon and Winter Soldier, respectively. But yeah, man, what did you think about the trailer? Did you did you walk away with it? You know, walk away from it liking it? You know, more being more excited about the show. Oh yeah, uh, they gave us some action in that trailer. Um, some some stunts. I was like, oh, this what is this what we doing? Um, it also uh, just in watching it, just in my mind after watching WandaVision, okay, this is what the budget looks like. You know what I mean? Seeing sword and kind of stuff. But it seemed like Falcon Winter Soldier. They turned it up. I was like, oh, this looks pretty cinematic to me. I seen some set pieces that look pretty crazy. Um, almost looked like I was watching uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. You know, <laughs> um, uh, there's a there's a part in the trailer where Falcon has to like go under the two trucks. I thought that was crazy. I was like, now that insane. is insane. Yeah, I was like, yeah, it, it made me even more excited than I already was. To be honest, I think it was a really good spot, um, in my opinion. Agreed. It, it raised my it raised my excitement level up considerably. There was so much action in it. Like they, it was two minutes of nonstop action, which was great. Um, and yeah, bro, it looks it looks to the same. Le- like I saw a few people on the timeline. They thought that this was a movie. Like they didn't even know that this is like a show. They were like, "Oh damn, Falcon's getting his own movie." And I'm just thinking, <laughs> like, that's crazy. The the line the line yeah. is gone between film and TV nowadays. It looks so cinematic it looks just like a movie that we would go to the amc theaters and pay for um so i'm super excited about that it's gonna be great i think it's gonna be great um and then we know that sebastian stan and anthony mackie have great chemistry Mm -hmm. um that moment at the end uh yeah when he flew next to bucky and he was like yeah that little girl kicked your ass like i (laughs) i laughed so hard at that moment like that was Mm -hmm. so funny they always just jaw jacking at each other so i can't wait to see how that goes we know that zemo is going to be the villain in this yes in the mask the mask he got the mask which is going to be dope and then we got our first look we knew that she was going to be in the show but we got our first look at emily van camp she's returning as sharon carter we haven't seen her since civil war so she's Mm going to be back in the show dope um there was there was also this weird moment um where of course we don't see it but we see somebody in a captain america suit high fives uh somebody from the was it the olympics or something it looks like, like a drum major like a drum, drum major that's drum what major. it was yeah, yeah that's yeah. what it was like a, uh, a drum major just somebody in the band um hbcu band at that i was like okay For let's sure. go let's go <laughs> let's do this let's yeah. go um but i was like mm, that's that's uh, that's interesting like why did they put that in there um this person in this captain america suit i don't know it could just be some random dude pretending to be captain america but it's it's it was an interesting yeah. little little three second thing they did there Allegedly, is it's U.S. agent, you know, which 
is basically a Captain America knockoff. It's a right. it's a it's a, it's a government issued Captain America. It's basically mm-hmm. the corporate corporatized version of Captain America, but we don't we don't know anything about that character yet. We have no details, so yeah, I want yeah, to see his it, face. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to figure out who it is, you know, so it'll be interesting to see what his role in this whole show is, but um, as we know with WandaVision, um, the Sokovia Accords are still a thing, you know, mm-hmm. so I think that that's going to definitely play a part in this show, considering that, like, the Avengers the ones that, you know, perished from the blip, they have now returned, but what is their place in the world, you know? Mm. Um, Even Zemo in the trailer said, you know, no more superheroes, you know? He's obviously not on the legal side of things, but I'm I'm interested to see how that plays out and and see what happens, but I'm I'm very excited for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I think it's going to be great. It's even greater that once WandaVision ends, we only have one week um, in between where we won't have any, you know, sort of new MCU episodes, so we'll only have to wait a week until Falcon and Winter Soldier rolls right back around, so can't wait to see that. Um, Also, from Marvel, we found out some dope, huge news. Blade officially has a writer, and that writer is Stacy Osei Kafour, who was the writer and the story editor for Watchmen, um, the limited series from HBO. So she's going to pin the script for this film, which is starring Mahershala Ali. And of course, she's going to be the first black woman to write a Marvel movie. Huge, um, huge, 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 huge. It's also interesting to note that the Hollywood Reporter, which broke this story, they're referring to the film as Blade the Vampire Slayer. I don't know if that's the official title, but that's how they're referring to the movie. So maybe they know. Maybe they know that that is the official title. Maybe they have a you know a source. Um, or but that's just another thing to know. Yeah, they could just be being more, uh, of course, more descriptive. Maybe people don't know who Blade is. Maybe, maybe people see Blade and think Blade Run. I don't know. They could just be being Perhaps. More descriptive too. But yeah, it is a very interesting note there for sure. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about this news though? Uh, amazing dude um all we need at this point is a black director and i am 30 times more excited than i already was uh mahershala <laughs> ali give us some 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 stessy osi you know what i mean and then hey people on the internet was talking about put the king in there as a director it don't matter to me hey, look look make it make it happen <laughs> whoever it needs to be but at this point complete the trifecta writer director lead actor do it lead actor, complete yep. the trifecta i think i think they will um i think they they hear the people they hear mahershala first and foremost and i think they just they broke that news as a uh before the the big reveal of the director kind of news so mm-hmm. we'll see what we'll, we'll see what happens absolutely absolutely cannot wait um blade is certainly i think one of our most anticipated movies coming out of Marvel, just because it's gonna it's gonna be so different than than what yeah. we've seen before. We know that somebody uh, Mahershala is amazing. Somebody had some interesting um, feedback actually, saying how um, is is Mahershala gonna do the training for the, for Blade? Is he gonna get big for Blade? Because Wesley Snipes was such a badass. Somebody that was like somebody that was like. But, like, how's Mahershala going to do, you know, and, and kind of in that regard? And that's a great question and a, a kind of a great point in terms of how much, um, you know, how far Wesley Snipes was willing to go even back then, you know, again, to do martial arts and, you know, heavy lifting and all these things to kind of fit the role. He was kind of already a badass before that. It's like, can Mahershala yeah. step up to that level as Blade to be the same level of badass? Oh, he's going to do it. He's going to get shredded. He's going to gain like 30 <laughs> pounds. He's yep. going to learn every form of fighting that he needs. I have n- I 
I, I, have, I have no doubt, no I doubt agree. at all. He he's not shortcutting this at all. He is gonna, cause this this is a franchise. Mm-hmm. This is gonna be his franchise. You know, he asked he's for gonna it be too. the lead, and he at, right. He asked for it. He pitched. He pitched this show. He he walked into Marvel into Kevin Feige's office and said, "I'm doing Blade, <laughs> and I got two Academy Awards. What's up?" And Kevin Feige <laughs> said. You're damn right, Mahershala. You are doing Blade. <laughs> I'm casting you right now. So I, yeah, I have no doubt he's he's gonna get ready. Um, yeah, I think so too. You know, now I don't think anybody's gonna be looking like Chris Hemsworth because he looks like a f- fucking no, beast. He's, but he's, he'll he's wild. He's wild. Uh, did you see that? Some I think somebody on the Thor: Love and Thunder set mm-hmm. said that he's the biggest Thor that he's ever been like he's yep. never been as big as he is yeah now. bro he's starting to reach those uh the rock levels they need <laughs> to they, ridiculous, we need yeah. a we need a crossover thor versus black adam <laughs> yo son if that happened bro, i would oh yeah they God. that'd be ridiculous that would be insane the two Take, biggest most muscular humans in the world yeah and, you know facing off that would be dope. crazy um so yeah let's let's definitely we'll, we'll we'll be looking out for for more information from blade i'm sure yeah. we will get a, a director announcement pretty soon here um also another spot that we saw in the super bowl yesterday m night Shyamalan, Shyamalan, excuse me has a new movie coming out old is gonna be dropping <laughs> this summer apparently uh that's what it's called old um m night Shyamalan, man like mm. I, hey uh, you know up up and down <laughs> Up and down, wishy washy is you know all the time. Who we we won't know until we literally either get into the theater or we're sitting in front of our TV. Like we mm-hmm. we just won't know. We won't know yeah. if it's good because the trailers could be amazing. Because I thought the trailer, the spot, I thought it. Was, I'm like, oh, this looks interesting. Mm-hmm. It's a great concept. Seems like an interesting movie, but we really won't know until we watch it whether or not it's going to be good. Yeah, just, I mean, it's people on people on the island. And the island is apparently turning, making people age rapidly. That's why it's called rapidly. old. People are yep. turning old. What in the Wandavision is going on here? Uh, I wish we knew. We, yeah, we that remains to out. be seen. Um, but yeah, he has uh, he has one of the most interesting careers. It's just it's amazing he can get he can still get films off the ground even though he's made some of the biggest abominations that i think any of us have ever seen but it he, is crazy but he's made also some really good shit too some really good stuff yeah he said he still has that so we'll be on the lookout um but yeah if you saw saw the trailer you know are you excited about it let us know we also got a new trailer for coming to america um which is arriving officially march 5th on prime video um cheap plug we're also doing a two black nerds movie night for that so definitely be on the lookout for that but we got a got another trailer and this one actually gave us some story we actually got a little bit of the story here um we Mm -hmm. saw a couple of like first looks and you know the initial teaser which just like kind of reintroduced us to everybody but this one like opened up the story for us and now we're back into this world of zamunda and you know going back to back to new york um and again we see that you know Hakeem has had a son with another woman, um, and he is going to New York to, you know, sort of recruit his son and bring them back to to Zamunda to let him know, like, you're royalty, you be- you belong here in this kingdom. Um, and we got obviously again looks at all of our favorites um, from the original film, as well as again some new characters that we will be introduced here. Wesley Snipes will be in this film. Funny enough, we talked about him just a second ago. He will be in this new film. Um, did you like this trailer? Did you walk away from this more excited um, than you uh, initially were before? 
it didn't change anything. I wasn't mad at it that it existed, you know, that it came out. But I still feel I think the same way um, about the film that I do. Uh, of course, the again, the first the first coming to America is one of my mom's favorite movies, one of my favorite movies. Um, very entertaining. I think uh, at this point, I think we're all just ready to watch it again. It, it, it didn't change anything for me. One of my favorite lines in the trailer, though, um, was kind of how they were making a comparison, saying Wakanda <laughs> was not their favorite, uh, wasn't even a real place. And I'm like, but Zamunda isn't either <laughs> I, I, was, <laughs> I was like yeah this is uh th- but I, I like that they can uh play off some of those you know modern things that are happening and i think we'll get that a lot in the movie so i thought that was pretty funny and uh yeah man i, th- I think it'll be funny i think uh, I, I do think it'll be funny i don't know how good of a movie it'll be but i know i'm a laugh for sure so yeah i considering i've laughed at both trailers thus far at like individual moments like that i think mm-hmm. i'll definitely laugh too i'm hoping I'm, you know, I'm not expecting this to go and change my life. Like, you know, right. the first one, again, we've talked about this before. The first one is just iconic comedy, you know, yeah. across the board from Eddie and Arsenio. I don't mm-hmm. think this is going to have the same impact, but if I can walk away knowing that I enjoyed it, I'll be satisfied. So yep. um, we'll see. Again, it's coming out March 5th on Prime Video and be on the lookout for Two Black Nerds Movie Night for that one. Um, we got some more news that just broke. Uh, we just found out Michael B. Jordan's next movie is coming out real soon, also on Prime Video. Tom Clancy's Without Remorse. Um, yes. He Michael B. Jordan is starring in the film. He's also a producer on it. Um, and it's going to be premiering on Prime Video April 30th, and it's going to be directed by Stefano Salima, um, who directed Sicario Day of the Soldado. So another Tom Clancy um, adaptation is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know that Amazon had you know the Jack Ryan show or has the Jack Ryan show with yep. uh, John Krasinski, Krasinski as the star. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but here we are with like without remorse. I didn't even know that they were working on this. This was a complete surprise yeah. when they Apparently, announced it. Apparently, uh, this is part of um, I forgot the name of it. Michael B. Jordan's studio. Do you remember the name of it? Oh, his um, produ- his production production um, company company. Yeah, I can't remember the name. Yeah, um, but I I know this is part of again. This is part of the deal that they've struck with Amazon. Um, I know uh, they have a, a, a Muhammad Ali series coming out as well. Yes, um, with this um, again under Michael B. Jordan's production studio. Uh, but yeah, man, um, we'll see. This movie, uh, they, again, I don't think there's a trailer or anything for it. They just kind of released a poster um, today for it. But it looks like Michael B. Jordan in a uh, a uh, something a role we've never seen him in before, right? Kind of that that copy Denzel or Will kind of kind of role. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll see what happens there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and the name of his production company is Outlier Society. That's it. Um, so he's definitely moving a lot of a lot of projects forward uh, with mm-hmm. this production company. He's becoming kind of he's kind of creating his own destiny, which is a I think that's a a dope thing that he's able to you know just sort of be in the making of a lot of these different things. We're seeing more stars like take that route. Like I know uh, mm-hmm. um, Margot Robbie, she has her own production studio um yeah they were they were responsible for birds of prey um we we talked about even um last week with ryan coogler and his production company they just signed that that deal with disney so people are taking their destinies in their own hands and it's probably it's probably more um more feasible to do so now than ever before just with Mm -hmm. the availability of so many options with amazons and netflixes and apple tvs like you could shop around your stuff to so much more than just like a movie studio but there are streaming services now so opportunities are in abundance it seems like so we'll be on the lookout for without remorse and um, we also just found out wicked 
has a director finally they've been talking about doing a wicked movie for the longest mm-hmm. um john chu john m chu has been tapped to direct universal's film adaptation um if you don't know his work he directed Crazy Rich Asians, very good movie. Um, oh, yeah. He also directed In the Heights, which we've still yet to see it, but it'll be coming out this year on this HBO June, Max. I this June, which is another um, adaptation of a Broadway musical. Uh, I think that this is this is a good move. Uh, he's proven mm-hmm. in this field. He's a proven commodity. Um, I've been interested in this movie. I, I've seen Wicked twice on Broadway. Love the show. Think it's amazing. They've been talking about making this film for a long, long time now. So it's good to see that it's finally moving ahead. But I think I think John Chu. He seems like the right person. He's done. He's done big, epic spectacles. You know, obviously like yep. In the Heights. Um, he's done really heartwarming, heartfelt films. Crazy Rich Agents fills all of those needs. I think you need both of those things to to, to bring Wicked to life in a in a really meaningful way. So this seems like a good move. Yeah, man, Crazy Rich Asians is already, again, one of my favorite rom-coms of all time. Um, literally, first time after I seen it, I was like, yep, it's up there instantly. Um, so <laughs> I'm excited to see, you know, what he does with this property. Certainly. Um, we also just found out Chloe Zhao has been tapped to direct a new edition, a new reimagining, I guess we can call it. That's what we've been calling uh, other things. Okay. Of of Dracula. Dracula will be coming back. Um, uh, she's tackling uh, this uh, new property. Um, apparently this is a part of Universal's initiative to reintroduce new audiences to their classic um, library of Universal monsters. We know that they tried the Dark Universe a few years ago. Mm. That was a massive, massive failure. Um, mm. Tom Cruise did the Mummy film. Damn, that movie bombed. sucked. It sucked. It was just not good. It was a shame that he had to be a part of that. Um, also a shame for Sophia Butella as well because I really like her. And then they were going to move forward with like an invisible man with Johnny Depp and and, mm. and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde with uh, with a uh, Russell Crowe. Mm. They had all these plans lined up. They called it the dark universe. And then, you know, it just it shuttered. It, it just it failed. But then things changed. You know, last year we got the invisible man, which Amazing. was a completely different interpretation of the character than we've ever seen before. Starring uh, Elizabeth Moss. Yep. Um, great film. Yep. And. I guess it breathes new life into this idea that maybe, maybe instead of a connected universe per se, maybe we can just take some of these classic characters, you know, Invisible Man, Dracula, who knows who else that they might tackle, and do a really filmmaker-driven approach. You know, give it to a filmmaker that has a really interesting take, give us something that we've never seen before, and it can exist as a really filmmaker-driven sort of uh, auteur exploration um and apparently chloe zhao's interpretation is going to be a sci-fi western version of dracula so Mm. that's interesting i you know i hope again i hope that they don't do a i don't want this to be a connected monster universe i think that Mm -hmm. idea is dead and gone like Mm -hmm. they've tried that endlessly like even before dark universe like van helsing when they tried to do that like a while ago they tried to introduce that whole concept it just I don't think it's going to work. So I think if they just kept it if they keep it as an isolated thing and just make a good movie and then another good movie and then another good movie, maybe it can work. And we'll see. Hey, I mean Chloe Zhao, man, uh talk of the town for Nomadland and The Eternals, you know, coming up, both writer and director. So I think who better else to give it to for this interpretation, you know? Um we'll see if it's as good as Invisible Man, bring it cuz that is my joint right there. That's my movie. I like that movie a lot. So for sure. Let's go ahead and transition to some TV news. This is big. Rogers and Hammerstein's Cinderella 
Huge. is finally becoming available on streaming. I know everybody knows this already, but we're going to talk about it. It's coming February 12th to Disney+. Plus. Yes, that is right. Cinderella starring Brandy and Whitney Houston, the one we all grew up with, the one we all adore, the one we've all mesmerized about and remembered so fondly. It's finally going to be available on streaming again, February 12th on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh exciting it's just exciting it's just good just good to have this available happy black history month that's what that is right there from from disney um this is this is pretty dope what's crazy is for so long i had been seeing tweets or hearing where can i watch cinderella where can i watch brandy cinderella where can i watch the cinderella that whitney houston was in where can like i've just i've heard it so many different ways and we we finally have a platform to do it it's it it was interesting i was like why isn't this on disney plus yet but that's why they've been waiting to drop it this whole time so definitely an opportune moment that they took advantage of good for them can't wait to watch it again i haven't seen it in a really long time so it'll it'll be good for sure um also from the tv world Idris Elba's working. Um, he is in the works on a new show for Crunchyroll uh, called Dantai. So this is going to be a new fantasy series. It's described as a dark fantasy and an Afrofuturistic sci-fi fiction. Um, and the series is going to be set in a city where the rise of biotechnology has created an ever-widening gap between the haves and the have-nots. Two rising stars from from either side of this divide are pitted against each other in a story that will ultimately explore equality and kinship within a corrupt society. Um, it sounds interesting. It sounds interesting. It sounds mm-hmm. like it's going to be something that's, you know, really different and unique, but I think on a you know higher level, the fact that like Idris Elba and also his wife, Sabrina Elba, I should mention, they're both working on this yeah. um, as producers. Uh, this partnership was cr- with Crunchyroll. I think that's really dope. That's a really that's dope thing that, they, that they've dope. gotten. Yeah, for sure. I mean, against the Crunchyroll is the world of anime. You subscribe to Crunchyroll, you get the entire world. And so imagine um, everything. Imagine the black people, you know, you could possibly bring uh, to, to your platform, seeing even more black characters on it. You know what I mean? Um, and as we have talked about previously, um, more, more black people are getting into anime recently. So uh, this, is, this, is a, this is a good step for the Elbas. Absolutely. I think I just read recently somewhere that Crunchyroll has 30,000 episodes of anime on its service. That is just... Yeah. every Like you said, the world of anime, anything you can really ever want is Crunchyroll. Crunchyroll got so it. Yep. It's definitely definitely a good look for them. Um, also, in, interest, in an interesting development, uh, funny how time changes things, Nick Cannon is coming back to MTV and wilding out after he has apologized for his uh, anti-Semitic comments that he made um, a few months back, and yep. Viacom let him go after after those comments, but he will apparently be returning uh, to get that Paramount Plus bag. That's why I think he's coming <laughs> back. Yeah, he's absolutely. getting that bag. I think they need each other though. Um, there has been heavy criticism on MTV lately that there's nothing to watch. <laughs> Everyone says it's just ridiculousness. And have you seen that graphic on Twitter where they put out the MTV schedule? Uh-uh. Of like, I haven't seen it. it bro, it is literally, <laughs> it's, so it's a seven day, It's you, you know how TV guy used to look? Mm-hmm. It's like a seven day schedule from Sunday to Saturday. When I tell you ridiculousness was in <laughs> 95% of the slots, and oh they're, broken up, they're broken up into half hour slots. Ridiculousness was in 95% of the slots. That's like, ridiculous. N- not bullshitting. And it was no, color coded. Right, right. And it was color coded and ridiculousness had like an orange color the whole damn photo is orange it's, it's crazy wow yeah that's wow yep yep they needed this bad 
<laughs> Clearly, they, they need they need some new uh, some new shows. They need and Wildin' Out. That's I mean that's one of their most popular shows. Like yeah. it has been for a long time, and mm-hmm. they're launching this new streaming service. Like they need as much star power as they can get. Yeah, that's, like I said, they need each other. And what it, what is even Nick Cannon without Viacom? Right? He came up on Nickelodeon, own part of Teen Nick. He was in mm-hmm. what was it? The Amanda Show was it? no. He's on all that. I think, yeah. or the Amanda show, yeah. maybe one of the two. Pro- um, probably both. Probably so. both, yeah. But and then here we are, still. He's with Viacom. He makes Wild and Out. It's just like, dude, you, y- y'all need each other. They need they need your services, and you need their money. So here we are. Here we are. Um, let's see what Wild and Out looks like moving ahead. Also, in other news, All Black is a, I, I guess we can say a new streaming service, although it's, it's, not it's been around. Technically new has been around. It's, it's rebranded. That's what it yeah. is. It's kind of rebranded. Mm-hmm. It used to be called Urban Movie Channel, um, but now it's called All Black. Um, and that it, it's a streaming service that exists under AMC Networks, but it was founded by yep. Bob Johnson, who most of us know founded BET. Um, but it has, you know, a lot of, you know, television series and original movies and things of that nature, but they've rebranded recently. I think just this year that they officially started calling themselves all black if i'm not mistaken um but i'm not you know beyond that i'm not really too sure about like any other information i'm not sure of uh how much it costs if it costs anything or if it's Mm -hmm. free um the only thing that i do know is that they have like a few like live stand-up performances like i've heard about them before like having like stand-ups from like kevin hart and like I think Charlie Murphy and stuff like that. So I, th- I know that they have stand-ups, but I'm pretty sure they also have like original original series as well. But um, yeah, that's yeah, kind of all I know about All Black. Yeah, I just wanted to bring, you know, I don't know how much it costs either. I do know it costs because if you go to websites, let's try seven days for free. And I'm like, mm, how much is this? Gotcha. Um, but I just wanted to bring it up as a, anybody seeking, you know, any more uh, black content out there, especially for Black History Month. There's a lot of original black films and creators and actors and actresses um, that you might see in bigger productions later on. But I was just so confused to why all this exists here, but not on BET itself. <laughs> BET, listen, y'all. I have I have oh, renamed can of worms. I have renamed BET to TPE Tyler Perry Entertainment because oh, that is all it is. I'm telling you, bro. Like my mom will turn it on, and it's Medea's family reunion, and then it'll go off, and then sisters will come on, and then mm-hmm. that'll go off, and then um, what is it called? It's the new show with Mr. Brown. Um, I forgot what it's called, but it's, oh, sure assisted living that. or something like that. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, y'all. This is Tyler Perry's network. That's what it is now. You might as well rebrand right. it. It's not black entertainment television anymore. There's nothing BET about it because all you play is 90% Tyler Perry and 10% Baby Boy. So it's yeah. like, yeah, at this point, come on, y'all. Um, but all this original black content is just sitting here on the streaming service that the person who created BET helped create. I'm like, mm-hmm. like if you go through the list of stuff, you can browse movies and stuff, right, without even signing up or anything. I'm like, I've never heard of none of this. Imagine if that was put on the platform, like black entertainment television. To uh, it just doesn't. It's the craziest thing ever, dude. And it's, I, again, yeah. I just want, yeah, I just want to highlight. B- it. And BT has a much wider audience too, but they're not doing this type of work, you know. Uh, a part of me thinks Tyler Perry's leveraging BET as the impetus for his own network that he will eventually create someday. I mean, yeah. he's, he's following the Oprah Win- Winfrey footsteps. I think he's mm-hmm. definitely the fact that he's like writing seven TV shows in a weekend. He come on, guy, ridiculous like, dude. Whatever. Yeah, get it, get um, it together. 
Yeah, but check out All Black, man. Definitely definitely a dope thing to have as a resource if you're looking for, you know, more black stories and more black storytelling. All Black is out there. Um, in the world of politics, which we never talk about, but we're talking about it because this is dope, Stacey Abrams and Black Lives Matter have both been nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. Huge, um, man. It's crazy, crazy, but that's amazing news. That's that's super dope that that's happening. Um, you know, I think that... Uh, I mean, specifically for Black Lives Matter, I think that that's past due. Like, it's been around for a long time. It's past due. We could have done that seven years ago. But obviously, with the year that we've had, it's, you know, it's a thing. One of my biggest criticisms of last year is, like, we forgot about 2014. I don't know. It was Last year was so weird, y'all. It's like we just, like, we're skipping several years previous, you know, prior. And all of a sudden, it was like, everyone was like, oh, that's what's happening. But it's like, why didn't you have that realization? back then i i don't i don't get it but either either way i'm happy um you know they're being recognized for you know all the work uh that was put in last year um stacy abrams i mean she's been one of my heroes for a minute now because she's just been killing it um i think she's working uh specifically being nominated for all the people um that she you know her efforts to get people to register to vote she was really killing it i seen her in barbershops in all kind of places you don't see you know other uh political figures at all um, yeah, she was out there I mean, she was really out there killing it so um you know especially the way georgia turned the tides right that right. in my mind that's stacy abrams the if you want to talk about somebody who's a beast that she is it um and so I'm, I'm happy to see that uh she's nominated too of course no one has won anything yet um but to see the recognition there in the first place is definitely um of course you know soothing somewhat soothing to to progress being made and soothing to the soul Absolutely. Well deserved. Well deserved on both fronts. Um, we got to mention this, you know, quick news item about video games. We like huge pay respect to that. Huge. Uh, people have been asking for this for, I mean, ever since it went away, they've been asking for it. Um, Absolutely. College football, college football video games will be making a return. Wow. That's right. You heard it here. College football. F- video games are coming back we've not That's had it. an ncaa football game in how long how long has it oh, been oh seven years seven seven years seven no, years since no, the last eight, ncaa football because technically the last one was ncaa 14 but it came, came out, out in 2013 exactly you're so, right wow what a time Ooh. yeah however they um, are coming back college football will return yeah, for people who don't know, um, the NCAA series was shelved after a UCLA basketball player, um, I believe Ed O'Bannon is his name, he uh, sued the NCAA, of course, successfully, um, for profiting off likeness of, of college athletes without compensating them. Um, and actually, for a long time, the the um, uh, the NCAA um, refused to 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 play ball you know with players um, in exchange for the likeness even though a lot of even though the game always wanted to like ea um always came to ncaa and was like we would like to play these players ncaa is like nah (laughs) they get their education is enough um and ever since then they couldn't make another game but it seems you know they're 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 potentially in talks um for some for conferences in uh what's called group licensing i believe is kind of the new route uh they're attempting to take where maybe there's a there's a flat uh rate that they can pay, pay 
both pay players and get the licensing for the likeness. Um, so that's kind of the new route. And uh, apparently they had to agree on something if, if NCAA football made the announcement. So um, it's it's coming back. I know hella people that's excited for this. First of all, <laughs> shout out to TJ because – <laughs> oh my goodness that yeah, he's is gonna his, be going crazy on he, that. Yes. oh he did he said he's quitting his job i said i believe it <laughs> man so many people are rejoicing at rejoicing this news. like yeah i'm i'm excited too it. yeah for sure yeah. so it's huge news huge 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 news again it's been a long time coming and we're, we're here we are definitely definitely it's always it's always good to see some return that was always so popular so so we'll definitely be on the lookout for for more details um and then certainly last but not least with this week's episode we we have to pay respect to the people that we have unfortunately lost over this past week um again more more really significant individuals in their respective fields Christopher Plummer, um legendary actor has passed yeah. away at the age of 91 um he's the most famous for being in the sound of music, um, mm-hmm. but he had a tremendously long career in Hollywood, obviously, you know, becoming very, very prominent in that role, but he took a lot of other roles. I was first introduced to Christopher Plummer, like growing up in Spike Lee movies because he yeah. was in, you know, Malcolm X and he was mm-hmm. in Inside Out. And I, I love those movies growing up. And that was when I first became exposed to him. And then like I saw, you know, Sound of Music later on and. You know, obviously, we, we you know we saw him in Knives Out, which we've talked about on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the head of the Throm- Throm- Thrombley uh, family, um, but he had a, a really, really long and, and decorated career in Hollywood. Um, and and it's sad to see him see him go. Although it was a long life, it's still sad to see him go. We also lost a uh, legendary boxer, Leon Spinks. Um, he was a Olympic champion, but he's most well known for. You know, defeating Muhammad Ali and taking the World Heavyweight Championship away from him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just passed away. He was 67 um, years old. And then last but certainly not least, um, Diane Durham, um, also a legend in the world of sports. She was the first black woman um, to win a USA Gymnastics National Championship. And she has unfortunately passed away at the age of 52. So um, some trailblazers here for sure. Absolutely. Some very talented individuals um, that we've unfortunately again lost in this past week, but had to acknowledge and recognize them. Anything you wanted to share about any of these three? Uh, nah, man. It's just you know crazy. We're still losing you know a lot of people really fast. Um, specifically, Diane Durham was only fifty-two years old. I think that's an important note. Um, you know, people are people are dying younger and younger of course the the african-american lifespan is already not as long you know as 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 the other counterparts um but it's yeah, it's just really crazy out here man everybody take care of each other and y'all need everybody quit playing you know with your body stay healthy as much as possible wear a mask <laughs> please wear a mask um but yeah man that's pretty much all i had to say shout out to christopher Plummer also for being the uh the antagonist and up <laughs> that was, that was, he was, yeah. yeah. I about that. Yeah, yeah. I thought I just thought that was cool. Chris Plum was just a cool dude, man. He is. He is. I would have. He 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 just seems like somebody that would have been just like nice to have a conversation with. He seems like a a really pleasant, you know, individual to be around. Mm-hmm. So it's it's um, even like the uh, the message of Knives Out resonates with me. You know, it's like dang. Now, once you watch that movie, you're like, he's dead in real life. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's that's just really crazy. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, we definitely send our thoughts and condolences to the family and friends of all three: um, Christopher Plummer, Leon Speaks, Diane Durham, 
And with all of that, we're officially down and out for this week. We have wrapped up this week's episode of Two Black Nerds. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to be back again next week where, of course, we have to talk about Judas and the Black Messiah. Big one. Big, big movie coming starring um, um, Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya. We've been waiting on this and talking about this for, for quite a while. It'll be on HBO Max. And we're doing very... Something very special for it. Tell them what it is, man. What we doing As for Judas and the Black Messiah? As per usual, we told y'all we're going to be busy, man. Judas and the Black Messiah. Two Black Nerds. Movie night this Friday, February the 12th at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 p.m. Central, y'all. This is another big one. Uh, everyone, please show up. This is a, a, a movie about history. Um, we're hearing a lot of good things about this movie, t- to be honest. Um, we just talked about it in the, so those award nominations. It is getting a lot of looks, so uh, I don't, I don't, I, I think we are in for for somewhat of a treat. Um, and again, Dan Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield, come on, y'all. This is, this is, we ain't gonna act like we ain't watch Get Out. <laughs> like they, <laughs> they, they, they killed it. Uh, my girl Dominique Fishback is here too. Uh, the rising star herself, uh, Project Power. It's, 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 I think it's, it's going to be a good time I think Ashton Sanders is in it too um, So a lot of young black talent um, In this film and I, I'm, Shoot, join us You know, It should be a good movie Certainly, I'm, I'm extremely excited for this Been looking forward to it ever since We saw that first trailer I think it was, you know Late last summer, start of fall Like when we first saw a, a look at it And like you mentioned, it's been getting a lot of looks uh, from awards and from critics, and it's it's on top ten lists, and you know, just everything has been has been pretty much no negative things I've seen about this film. It's been all positive, so I'm very very excited and eager to see what this film is and and, and what we'll walk away from um, after we watch it and what we may potentially learn from from this experience. So. As you already said, man, join us Join us this Friday, Two Black Nerds Movie Night. Use the hashtag to be a movie night as we always do, and let's have a good time. Absolutely, y'all. Thank y'all. Appreciate y'all. Love y'all. Um, again, happy Black History Month. Make sure you're reading black books and watching black movies and black TV shows, supporting black artists, actresses, anything. Support any and everything black. That's what we're here for. Black businesses. Buy a black candle. Buy a black t-shirt. I don't know. Do what you gotta do, but we hella, hella blackity black black this year, y'all. Thank you so much. This has been another episode of Two Black Nerds where we're too black, too nerdy, and we out, y'all. Peace.
Like the ash, your world starts spinning down.